I don't understand. You are fine with mango, but you hate coconut. They are completely different flavors. They are tropically related. Mm. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. You know, just because you guys do a side podcast doesn't like, <laughs> you know, I'm still in charge here. <laughs> Welcome to Maybe Geek Again, a fun little podcast where we talk about sci-fi and dystopian future television shows, um, talk about politics and philosophy and ethics and dick jokes. Um, we are about to start our season three watch of The Expanse. I am joined today by my co-hosts, Bubs and Cece. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, Shaheen cannot be with us right now because he is going to some cool... I don't know, philosophy something something conference, uh, and is going to some talk about, what was it? He went to a talk today or yesterday called Autonomy, Consciousness, and Responsibility. He's going to do something with AI, huh. so I don't know. I'm sure he'll like tell us about it uh, when he gets back. Um, if you're listening to us now, uh, you probably found us on SoundCloud, maybe heard about us on Twitter, but we are on SoundCloud, Twitter, um, iTunes. Um, you can email us at maybegeekagain at gmail.com. Um, I think that's about all the housekeeping we've got. Um, Cece, though, before I like forget and get off in too much of a ramble, um, frequent guest of, of our previous hundred and expanse podcast, but you have spread your your little your little wings and have your own podcast now. I know. So I think we're franchisees, correct? Fran- Ooh. You're like you're like a McDonald's or a Subway. <laughs> <laughs> I am not legally responsible for you, and yet I get to you know you, you cash, in. My, cash in. Cash yeah. in exactly. All the benefits. Um, Talk. Tell us. Tell us about your podcast. What is it about? Um, if you have listened to the end of our podcast anytime I've been on it, I have yelled about how you should watch 12 Monkeys, um, which was a show also on sci-fi. Um, and sci-fi I, has good shows. Uh, sci-fi has some of the best, I, I know this is going to be, but it really is some of the, I think the best writing on TV. Yeah. Shots fired. I really, <laughs> it really does. And, and the only reason why people don't pay attention to it in terms of like giving awards to that stuff is because it's on sci-fi and it's really annoying. It's um, yeah. Well, no, because if it's genre on HBO, it gets, it appears to get nominated whether it's uh, good writing true. or not. But <laughs> that's like, just, that's more has to do with HBO than like genre. And budget. Um, but genre right. everywhere else yeah. gets poo-pooed. Totally. Um, so um, Beep, Beep Splain on Twitter and I started a podcast. We're rewatching 12 Monkeys because it's the kind of show once you finish it, you pick up on like 50% more stuff once you rewatch it. Um, and you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher, which I didn't even know that was a thing. But we oh, yeah, we're on to Stitcher that. too. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> we I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't either, but we were requ- we got requests. So we're on that now too. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at uh, 12M Rewatch Pod. Um, the name of it is Word of the Witnesses. Um, and if you've watched the show, you'll know what that means. Wink. Um, and, <laughs> wink. And it's really exciting. Because the um, creator and um, showrunner and 
frequent writer and director Terry Metalis is going to be joining us next week. So we're really, really, really excited. We have some other exciting announcements coming up. So check us out. Um, and if you haven't watched 12 Monkeys, you should do that immediately after finishing this podcast. Wow. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. I mean, I, I you know, wow, but also I can't argue with that. Um, <laughs> well, you, well, you, because you and Jen told me to watch it. So it actually started on this podcast. Well, 12 Monkeys is fucking awesome, though mm-hmm. I'm still, you, before you interview him, you need to watch the movie. Like, watch mm-hmm. the movie. I'm going to do that. Are like you actually going to do that? Like tomorrow night. Wait, yes. for real? For real. <gasps> I'm so excited. Mr. Chick has <laughs> finally agreed to rewatch a movie that he's seen before. Oh. Yes, Do you like but, it? Well, oh, yeah. He really liked it. But this is the problem that I didn't have a car in college. And so if he went to go see it with his friends, none of my girlfriends would go see movies like that. So that's my big 90s like genre gap. Right, because girls uh, don't like sci-fi. Until I found you guys. That's oh. right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thanks, and guys. speaking of absolutely nothing into a terrible segue, um, <laughs> what are you guys uh, drinking this evening before we get talking about episodes? Well, um, so I guess like I've made this goal to only drink pumpkin beer on the pod for this stretch of episodes. <laughs> so today that, that is like your own personal challenge apropos of fucking nothing. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, is um, every time I'm like I'm going to order beer, there are like 20 different pumpkin beers. And then so then I sit there for literally like an hour and a half Googling on Beer Advocate all the different pumpkin beers so that I buy the best one with the the amount of alcohol content that I prefer. And so... Which one is more important, superior pumpkin flavor or get you fucked up? Um, they're equally important. And they it's often just, go hand in hand. Yeah, I think only pumpkin is the one that's like high alcohol content that is also, to me, worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it does have a really good pumpkin taste. But anyways, there's so many that I was like, fuck it, why don't I just try all of them? <laughs> make the decision myself as to like which one I like best. So today is Coney Island um, Freaktoberfest Pumpkin Ale. And it has a really scary like mime on the front of it. Like like street performer mime? Like it's like a carnival guy. Like a clown? Why would you put carnies on your... Well because it's like Coney Island Brewing Company. What did I do with my pen? Like, I've lost my vape pen. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Did you check it behind your ear? I actually just checked my ear and I, like, have headphones on. So, no, it's absolutely not behind there. Huh. Well, oh, there it is. I found it. Everything's fine. What was that movie where the girl pulls, like, 20 pencils out of her hair? Oh, wait. Ferris Bueller. I'm pretty sure it's Ferris Bueller. Was it? It's, like, the the assistant. The principal's assistant. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I just, you know, I just watched that with my kids and they were like, Ferris is a terrible friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dude, your kids are not- so woke, like <laughs> having them like watch all of these like 80s classics and then just being like, so-and-so is a terrible feminist. Oh my God. They end every movie. Like they end at Ferris Bueller. They're like, he's a really terrible friend. He like, is. I mean, they're like, he kind they were like, maybe can't, maybe he kind of helps Cameron live his life a little bit more, like, not be so uptight, but really, they're like... But he, he just... also doesn't, like, sort of talk to Cameron in his own love language, you know? Yeah. like Obviously, okay. Cameron's, like, depressed. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And then they finished Grease, and they were like, 
So... Well, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> why does everyone change? Why is it good that she totally changes who she is to date that guy? So <laughs> you should have them watch Grease 2, which is actually very, like, good on its messaging. Is um, it? Yeah. No, true story. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer, she doesn't, like, change who she is. She, like, um, wants to, like learning it but like I read this whole thing that was like comparing the them and uh-huh. everyone always goes after the first one except the first one you're kind of like well that's actually a little date rapey and yeah. about like changing oh yourself God. to be with someone else so and there like are, yeah. how there are lyrics that are like does she put up a fight right oh, yeah it's not good no <laughs> it's not good but Grease 2 is actually very like feminist um so the end. Cool story. Plus, um, I wonder what they Rex think of Manning West Side Story. Oh yeah, um, I wonder what they think of um, West Side Story because I feel like there's not many complaints. But I, they I'm loved like, West Side Story. They I loved mean, West. They loved West Side Story, but unfortunately, it was uh, it's really relevant, which yeah. is really depressing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no escapism for your kids. <laughs> Well, you can't watch it and be like, but then things got better in our country. <laughs> because, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> you're not drinking anything tonight, are you, Cece? I'm drinking Waterloo sparkling grapefruit water. Oh, Ooh. you guys have Waterloo that now? We have Whole Foods. Oh, so Waterloo is like totally the thing here now because everyone is salty that um, Topo got bought out by... Uh, Coca-Cola and now it's more expensive which you would think that they would actually be cheaper but you know yeah that's a because the distribution channels would be like much more efficient that yeah no but sense. no instead they're charging more for topo so everywhere is like started serving waterloo um the i'm par- particularly partial to the black cherry one fyi um oh that one's really good yeah waterloo yeah. It's, it's, it's for those who don't flavor. know it is sparkling water in a can it's basically LaCroix, but a little bit tastier yeah. I'm like, huh. less yoga pants. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess I guess we'll get started into the episode now that we have wasted people's time sufficiently. Good. Um, today, we are talking about The Expanse, season three, which we were talking about how sci-fi has good shows. Well, it turns out the sci-fi will not have The Expanse for season four because they decided not to pay for it. And it was picked up by Amazon. And yay, we're very excited. It was very tense. Everyone on Twitter was trying to get it renewed but it'll be out on amazon i guess sometime next year hopefully yeah. um but for now it is still on sci-fi and it, and it was still good while it was on sci-fi how um, awesome was the efforts by fans to like get right? it renewed i mean like, every yeah you don't it, it's not like a loud fandom you know i didn't see like many tweets apart from like the people we knew through the hundred um but it's like they're like a chill fandom that like when they need to get on twitter <laughs> They get on It's Twitter. like they're all full of adults. And so like when they want to organize and like raise money to do shit, they're like engineers with disposable incomes and like responsibilities yep. and like job people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was amazing. Benefit. Like there was the banner that they flew. They like Twice. harassed Jeff Bezos. Like it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And people wrote really, really thoughtful pieces about why, like different reasons why it's such a good show. Mm-hmm. Um like to try and save it. It was really good. It's kind of sad because I was actually thinking there was a time where I could say I was watching more shows on sci-fi than any other network. Mm-hmm. But now uh, it, it's 12, they, they, 12 Monkeys finished because they 
gave them four seasons. Yep. The Expanse is that, what's left? The Magicians. Uh, Magicians. You don't watch Winona Earp. Um, oh, I did. Yeah, I'm I just sort of fell. I I just fell behind this last season. I feel like there may be one or two other things that we watch on there, but yeah, I don't really remember because I'm also trying to think. I'm like, oh no, Humans is on. Um, what's AMC. the twin one? That they're not twins, but they're... Cloak and Dagger? No. Space. Space. Also Green Goo. Green Goo instead of Blue Goo. Oh, oh, Killjoys. Yeah, that's sci-fi. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I haven't watched this last season, though. I have no... I had absolutely no idea what the fuck was going on the entire time, but it was super fun. Oh, good. Good Which is really kind of how to describe Killjoys. Like, the plot, (laughs) like, makes no goddamn sense. Like, they are... I can't even tell if they're retconning or not, because none of it makes any sense. But Um, everyone's so delightful that it doesn't matter. I was just like, I don't don't care. Just banter back and forth, and I'll keep watching. Um, But we were talking about The Expanse once more. Sidetracked. We are covering the first two episodes of season three. The very first one, 301, is Fight or Flight, directed by Breck... Breck, I've never even heard that as a name. Breck Eisner, uh, and written by uh, Mark Fergus and Hawk Osleby. Osleby? I can't pronounce anything. I should be sober for this. Osleby? Osleby. Oh, it's a T. I See, here's the other thing with upgrading my Mac. All the fonts look super weird. Um, So, yeah, they're all very thin, and I couldn't even see that that was a T, or I'm blind. Anyway, 302 is called IFF, uh, directed again by Breck uh, Eisner and written by Daniel A. Abraham and Ty Frank. Yeah. Cool. I butchered everyone's names. I'm so sorry. I should have practiced that ahead of time. I'm not good <laughs> at, re- at reading aloud. Um, what were your guys' overall takes on the episode? Uh, I know that Cece and I are, are at odds with this, but um, Bubs, were you sort of in the middle or were you on Cece's side or... Obviously I liked them. Side. I think, well, you ex- um, expressed some slow slowness in your notes. Um, I think I understand what you mean because I was really like, I had a hard time paying attention for like the earth stuff. Um, and so I would say like the, those moments for me were like slow, even though like I could, un- I knew that they were important. Um, but I think it's just that like, I love the other characters so much that I just wanted to get back to that part of the story. Um, and so when we were with that part of the story for those two episodes, I, it was really fun and the pacing was really nice. Um, so yeah, I really liked the opener. I almost felt like it was like a full movie, um, between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I enjoyed. Cece? Um, I, I mean, you know, when I say this, The Expanse is one of my favorite shows on TV, but I definitely, I personally enjoyed the first half of the season more than the second half. Really? Yeah. And I, listen, I haven't read the books, so, you know, I feel like, I feel like when I talk to people who have read the books, they understandably have like a more, they know where it's going with the proto-molecule, whereas... Or is this, by the way, are we discussing spoilers as if... Yeah, like, okay, okay. we'll just, yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. so once once it got to, like, proto-molecule Miller, but not Miller, and the whole blue, it just, it's it was definitely just a little bit more abstract, so I think it was more me just trying to figure out what was going on, um, and I felt... Uh, I those were the parts that felt like the the very back half, not the like mutiny episode that was awesome, but like the very back half where it was more like 
trying to figure out if they're going to like basically people exploring the new frontier. This half was the part that I loved because I love the political intrigue. Um, I love sort of exploring like the different tribalism um, and whether you can avoid conflict. Um, I love Christian and she wasn't, but she wasn't in the second (laughs) half a lot. I missed her a lot. And I love the, the like the found family that did that did they don't come all back together um until the very like last part of the season um and i also just really got hyped up for it was almost kind of like like the first two to three episodes of this season are almost kind of like when you were watching game of thrones and then people were far flung and were impacting each other but didn't know it and then finally mm-hmm. everybody all comes together so when everyone's all like in the ship together and you've got Christian and Bobby and Holden and now everyone's together I just loved it so this like first group of episodes leading to like the resolution with the war was my favorite part of the season mm-hmm. so so I will say like on rewatch or whatever I think my issue was less that like I found it like particularly slow and more just like it almost felt like a like that it was two distinct seasons within a season if that Mm -hmm. makes sense because like we had that time jump weirdly like in the first like what third of the season like we had that couple month time jump um you know where Naomi leaves for a while and you know the 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 ring comes out and so I think that that's kind of what the issue is that like I'm fine with this clump of episodes but I know that like we're coming to another time jump and I I either want more of this beginning or more of that half, but instead it was two sort of stories smooshed together in a in the season, if that makes sense. And we skipped Naomi and Drummer's relationship. Right? Don't, oh my god. <laughs> like that was a breakup. People know my feelings on this if you if you hang out on Twitter. Um we will get to them um in the future. And we will get to them um speaking of romances that absolutely fucking happened but we did not get to see them um a couple of characters on 12 monkeys um Mm -hmm. uh yeah so stay tuned i guess everyone um (laughs) let's start diving into i guess uh 501 um we've got aaron wright being a shady fucker um we we don't no we don't meet anna until until 502 but um we've got drummer doing inverted sit-ups we've got um Bobby and Christian, like we, we had, you know, all sorts of adventures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where should we start? Where should we start? Does anyone like, do either of you guys have like something that you are burning to get off your chest? Yes. yes. I hate when people say resources. <laughs> Who says resources and why? What, where does that come from? What region? I also hate mature. Oh. <laughs> I had a teacher who said mature and I was like, well now that we've gotten the pettiness out of the way oh yeah someone else come in with deeper thoughts Cece you always have a good thought (laughs) um okay so I one of the things like one of the reasons why I love this episode is because they obviously left us at the end of last season with Mm -hmm. that huge Naomi betrayal bombshell Mm -hmm. and you know, it's kind of elegant the way we do it. Like we don't, they don't cut to her, you know, then telling Amos or then telling Alex, like the secret is out, but they definitely let us kind of marinate in the tension. Yeah. And everybody, 
and it's everybody walking gets into a room and you can tell everyone's been fighting. Right. And it, and, you're and like, I uncomfortable. Yes, <laughs> and I loved it because it's like, you know, that was a huge is a huge deal and they let that breathe. I mean, it kind of for like the next couple episodes, but this episode was really just kind of living in that conflict. Even if every character, very true to each particular character, was dealing with it in a very different way. Um, and so I kind of loved, um, I mean, some of the symbolism, you know, like when Holden is erasing the Rossi like logo outside of the ship and there's a practical reason why they're doing it so that they can be kind of undercover during wartime. Um, but it's just like a total gut punch or like Naomi sitting at the table eating alone when, the lot like you have I had the image in my head of them all sitting around that table eating the lasagna together. Mm-hmm. So there was just a lot of images that you're just like you really felt like her isolation and these like kind of you're wondering like is it gonna be this irreconcilable like um crack in their kind of found family. So I just thought they did a really good job of letting that gut punch land. Um and I loved how each character like Alex is like trying to talk to everyone. Like, he's like, Amos, like, I really think Holden's hurting. We should talk to him about it. And Amos is just very Amos and is basically like, fuck, no. Why? Yeah. You know, like, we're not a family. It's done. He's and like, every, it you used know, to work. Now it doesn't. Simple as Now it doesn't. Right? And for, and you'd get kind of, it, and it thought it was really interesting for Alex that Alex is trying to hold on like for dear life with his found family and while yet. coming to terms with that he abandoned his wife and his son. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the whole Holden, I listened to um, when the show is airing, uh, I don't know if they'll continue doing this, but sci-fi had these great podcasts with every episode would be the writers instead of the actors. So after the premiere, they had Stephen Strait, who plays Holden, on, and the way he described the way Holden was acting was withholding emotional intimacy. Withholding. Oh, right. God damn it! <laughs> nice pun. Nice that was pun that was good, but like I also hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you hated you know, it. You loved it. <laughs> I feel like that is the sign of a pun, though. You're like, I liked it, but also hated it. <laughs> Well, so, and I love the scene, like the scene when Naomi's at the table and Holden walks in to make coffee and she's like doing the like, oh, are you okay? Like trying to reach out. How's your leg? And he is perfectly polite, but But icy, icy, but not in a mean way. It's the most frustrating way that you could possibly, like if you were in an argument with someone, oh my God, it is worse than being yelled at. It's worse than getting a complete cold shoulder because then you can at least be kind of like mad at the person because they're being a dick. No, this is like y'all used to bang and now like you're like <laughs> awkward coworkers. Yes. Oh my God. So it, uncomfortable. It is so, but, but I love it because I felt like I got why everyone, everyone's point of view and mm-hmm. yet felt like oh god like it the conflict just I, I just thought it was all so well done and then when he beats the shit out of the coffee machine it's like <laughs> one of my favorite but you know like, that was an accident right yes like initially like he was just supposed to like kind of fuck it up a little but he actually accidentally broke it and then just kind of kept going <laughs> no but you see in his face you see that moment where he's like oh he shit he looks at the camera and he looks he looks at the camera and it's like oh, <laughs> it is so 
I didn't know that. It's so good. It's so, so good. funny because um but so I just thought all of that was really really well done. Um and so you're making me actually like this episode more than <laughs> more than I did. I just I think my issue is that there weren't like huge like moral questions that we're going to have to like delve into. Like there were a few ones, but like we don't really get into like the meaty meat meat, you know, mm-hmm. until well, in a couple think, more episodes. But maybe yeah. you'll prove me wrong here too cuz apparently yeah. today's the day that I'm wrong. No, no, not wrong. I mean, it's just like what you, I mean. Not wrong. You're just not right. (laughs) No, I'm looking forward to listening to you at the back season, like, make me, like, more excited. So I just think, like, different things jump out. I love when there is conflict and people are stuck together. Yes. (laughs) Right? Like, that's my favorite it's my favorite thing. Isn't that I mean, just it, you driving like somewhere with the family and the kids? Are like, <laughs> like you're trapped oh in here God. with me, fuckers. That's less fun, Joe. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's less fun than watching fictional people do it on my television. <laughs> also, no bathroom breaks. At least you know, like <laughs> on on TV, you know, they just they do their business on their own. You don't have to like provide snacks and goldfish crackers. Um, so do you want to just take everything that happens like with, with the Rossi at once and then because the episode kind of takes place in like three different places? Yeah, yeah. Like we can we can totally just keep on talking about the Rossi and then sort of how, you know, Bobby and Christian and then and then actual Earth. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's keep I, talking about the Rossi. I was curious. Um, maybe we should leave Naomi, like what Naomi did, and kind of big thematic. But the scene with Alex sending the message to his family. Mm-hmm. Oof. I oh, mean, holy shit! Here's my question. Like, never mind if he hadn't. I actually had this thought when I was watching it. Um, never mind if he hadn't, you know, abandoned his family or whatever. Like, how does that work with families where somebody might be gone for like? months if not years at a time and like at what point do you like because presumably you just adapt and you go about your day with you know your kid or your not kid or whatever it is that you do you know but this person isn't there right and then how do you reconcile that when they are there like you just get used to not having them around well yeah and so my my question can you guys refresh my they thought he was dead, right? I think they didn't know, but he—it yeah. was like he was presumably he was missing. On the Dodger. Yeah, yeah. And so he yeah, was presumed. So, so, so this is—I mean, so I, I was just want to make sure I was thinking about. It. So, imagine you're his wife. You I, at this point assume that your husband's dead, right? Because yeah. the ship blew, right? Right. So, like, what? I don't even know if it would cross my mind that like my husband was <laughs> had abandoned me and our son because he was going he on had, space like, adventures. Had right? he already like not been home for a super long time before that? I think that's right. Right? Yeah, I feel that's like I got he, the sense that he. That's why he was on. That's why he was on the um, the can right. Mm-hmm. The Canterbury, um, in the first place. Am I remember? Is that that's the first ship that blows up in the pilot? Correct. I think so. Okay, so um, so my so I imagine that you're her, and then I can't decide if what he does is honest, and he came clean with his family and he owned up to it, or it's selfish because he's doing this kind of to make himself feel better, and like what. How is she supposed to feel? Like, oh, so you're not dead. Right. And you're just, but you you're also admitted, didn't tell me. 
And you're saying that there, I mean, what he says at the end of like, um, uh, something I wanted, I wanted to do something good in the world. And I guess I wanted that more than to be with you, like to his wife and son. It is, oof. Like she already knew that. Like you didn't need to spell it out. Like. Well, I don't know if she did or not. If she thought he was dead, then this is like almost even worse. But, but I just, I got the sense that he had like left them. Anyway, like I got the sense that like he kind yeah. of put himself on missions more than he needed to. Um, I mean, it was a really, you know, I it's a great scene because Alex is like kind of like the marshmallow of the group mm-hmm. and always looking out for everyone's feelings. And he's the one bringing people together, whether, you know, it's like cooking meals or in this episode trying to talk to people like he, he even if he is angry at Naomi he he breaks the ice with her before anybody else does. But it reminds you, like, he is also very flawed. (laughs) And maybe what Mm -hmm. he's doing now with this found family is because he can't fix what he did with his um, wife and his son. So I thought it was really interesting juxtaposition of, like, on the one hand, he's trying to bring people together on the ship, but then what did he do in his prior life? I mean... Like, yes, like that was excellent juxtaposition. I just kind of have to wonder about sort of like, who does that? Yeah. Like, Anna's Anna's going to do that. Yeah, Anna is definitely going to do that. Like, not to be like, not to be whatever. But when we saw Anna like Skyping with her with her Mm -hmm. wife and, and kid or whatever, I was like, you're fake. Like, this is well, fake. Well, or it's the same. I mean, I I, I maybe put she that like together. She, like, is convincing herself that this is real. She's, like, putting on, like, sort of, I mean, she loves them and she misses them and all that. But, like, yeah, her choice is the same choice that Alex makes, which is something bigger. Yeah. Right. She chooses something over, right? I mean, so it's kind of like... I I thought when I rewatched this scene with Alex talking to his family and basically saying there was this other thing out there, which was very important to me. And ultimately, if I'm honest with myself, I decided it was more important than the two of you. And that's really the same choice that Anna makes Mm -hmm. when she's on the delegation ship and they go through. Yeah, the ring. You know, they go through the bring and she's basically sending a message to her wife and to her daughter. And it's she's choosing to do that. I mean, she's choosing to do that over the potentially never seeing her family again. Yeah. So it's like interesting. No, not ever. There there is like an element of selfishness to it. Um. And I feel like, I don't know if they're asking us to, like, see their selfishness and still be able to, like, empathize and relate to them. Um, well, and there's people throughout history who we admire who also did the same thing. Yeah, all that's different true. Kind, right? Like, all different kinds of people that broke different frontiers that came at a great, just like, either because well, of the based time. Based on the results. It's like, either you're a big failure and a jerk or... You were the innovator who did X, Y, and Z. Consequential or intentional. Um, <laughs> but, like, I feel like... Well, also, no one, no one tells that story. No one tells yeah. the story of the people that are left behind. I feel like Alex's decision, like, seems a bit shittier to me than Anna's. Like, because Anna had an opportunity, like, it was unknown. Like, 
do you go and do you learn about what aliens are? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and for me, I can definitely see how that would be like super tempting, especially for her as someone of faith, um, to sort of have the, that kind of an opportunity. Um, I, I would say for me personally, hopefully girlfriend can't hear this right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does she not listen? No, fuck no. I don't even listen. <laughs> listen to my own podcast certainly she wouldn't um that like yeah alex's one would seem shitty like i feel like going off and like adventuring around the world or whatever is like you shouldn't have put you shouldn't have gotten married and had a kid then like if you know like well particularly and particularly the child yeah right like that child is depending on you in a way that your adult grown wife adult right is and she yeah so but it is really interesting um those are those are two kind of bookends on the beginning and the end of the season of someone who is choosing to like fight this greater fight or explore or do something that is like an ideal um Mm -hmm. rather than their personal relationships which is interesting when you think about sort of what even even in these episodes like what Holden and the crew are like struggling with as to like what's the right thing to do and what's the right course. Um, kind of the greater good that we see some of it as noble and others as like selfish. Like, is it the fact that there are children involved that we are like, that's not cool? Um, yeah, Amos says it in the next episode, right? Like, when Amos is talking to Prax, oh, yeah, that that kids need one person, one person that's not going to give up on them. So, but I mean, isn't that their like the other moms then? Yeah, I guess it's great. Yeah, right. You get to opt out because somebody else is left holding the bag. (laughs) Man, dark. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right? I mean, so uh, yeah, anyway. So I, but I like that. I mean, I like that it's complicated. Like it doesn't make me like, I love all of the characters that are in the Rossi. So it's not like, but, but I just, I like that even Alex, this was a moment that reminds you he's deeply flawed too. (laughs) Even though- Right? Like, even though he's, like, the, like, most congenial and a lot of times, like, comedic um, relief on the ship. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out he has, he has you know, a little bit of darkness as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if maybe, like, if you think of it how he thinks it's important to follow his heart, I guess, in terms of, like, adventure, maybe, like, in sending that message, it was more meant, like, he wants to set that example for his kid to follow his heart. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Murmur. Murmur. Um, I feel like it, this is also an interesting sort of juxtaposition in, into the conversation that we have or that we see this shifting relationship and unreliability with Amos and and Naomi mm-hmm. and that fractured relationship and that Amos kind of ends up then looking and finding quote unquote, his best friend in, in Pratt, like that we find out um, later on or whatever. Cause they, they said that, that he was his best friend, right? Like in a later episode. Am I making in, a that later, in a later episode. Yeah. Oh, I missed but, that, but it's so cute already. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, and yeah. I think Amos was sort of surprised and Pratt was like, no, but you are. And then, you know, whatever, they just kind of, it was this sort of revelation, but the fact that like Amos has lost his person who's always going to be there for him. Yeah. And not only that, but his moral compass, mm-hmm. right? And for him to say, she's not the person I thought she was when Ouch. 
It's not, yeah. it's not just that, that for someone, for Amos, who is always kind of worried about his own lack of like internal controls when it comes to <laughs> nice right and wrong. Um, and he, I mean, in past seasons, like, I mean, he basically would look to Naomi, like, what's the right thing to do? And now this is the person who did the thing that they as a group collectively for the last two seasons had tried to prevent. It's not just a personal betrayal, but I mean, Amos is kind of at sea, right? Because he's lost his like true north. Yeah. And, but he's sort of almost, you get this sort of sense that it's, he's upset, but also upset with himself about being upset. If that makes sense. Like that he should have known, like it was, it was his own fault for trusting someone anyway. If that makes sense, like uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also interesting because you know when Naomi first, when Naomi first walks into the room and is like, "Yeah, I think we should go to Tycho." And it, listen, it absolutely, like from a strategic standpoint, absolutely makes sense, yeah. right? Like, but I'm like, "Oh, honey, like read the room." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's the last thing they wanted to hear from you oh <laughs> as to like the next step, right? And Amos is just basically like total knee jerk like fuck no but when he goes back and he thinks about it he's capable of setting aside how he feels about Naomi as opposed to her suggestion because then he goes to Holden he's like look I hate this but it makes sense um Mm -hmm. but it's just really sad like there are so many moments where Naomi is so alone like she's like you know we go and then you never have to see my face again or when they're debating what they should do either in that scene or later on when they're trying to decide between um, going to IO or um, going to Tycho, mm-hmm. that you you remember how what a leader she was in that group and how persuasive and like even if Holden was the captain, it was Naomi that would, you know, backing Holden up would be kind of like the tipping that would like yeah. tip and and seeing the difference in the group dynamic and how little sway she has is just oh it was just sad it's I, so I, hard to watch she's just like she just seems so wounded it reminds me of like uh, the very few times that Bonsai has pooped in the house <laughs> and I <laughs> and I get home and his little face is just like I'm so sorry <laughs> And like he just looks so guilty, and like he can't like meet my uh, like my eyes, like <laughs> that's like so Naomi shat in on the Rossi, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she, everyone she did. Knows. She took a big old poo, <laughs> and but now she's other, coming to terms with it. It's so funny because when she's arguing with Alex, the, everybody has such a good point. Right. Like Alex is like, I wanted to do this same thing. Remember, I wanted to give it to Mars. And we all decided as a group, no, not to do that. And then you decide that the belt should have it. And then you just do it unilaterally and you lie to us about it. Like you did it behind our back. You know, so it's like two, there's two layers to the betrayal. The first is it betrayed their ideals and their Mm -hmm. mission and what they have been trying to do to keep this out of people's hands. But then the second is probably the one that stings even more that she betrayed oh. their <laughs> their bond. <laughs> What's up, bond? Ah! Oh, God. So, you know, that, that he betrayed, she betrayed their bond and they can't trust her. So the, there's like two levels to why they're all so 
like devastated by what she did. Yeah, I mean, I actually like I told maybe sorry, I'm like having a hard time like sort of uh articulating this. I part of these scenes actually made me a little bit uncomfortable in a way, like because it was hard for me to sort of separate the fact that we were living in like this like post-gendered world or whatever. And so in some ways it almost felt like the the boys were all mad at the girl, if that makes sense. Um even though that like doesn't actually make sense or anything like that, but it's just like the, it was this weird sort of dynamic of like she can't fail and like she fell so far in their sort of estimation. I mean, I don't, yeah. but I, yes, but I, uh, I can see why, but I think in this case, like it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. It's an utter, it's an utter betrayal of yeah. all of them. In every way. I totally understand why she did it. Yes. It will be transformative for the belt that ultimately will prove at the end of this season to basically save everyone, right? Yes. Who was injured in the ring. So, but that's a chain of events that she is taking the risk on. That's that's not why she did it. She did it like for her tribe. So we're saying that, but, but Naomi is ultimately right. Well, no, I'm saying that it was a fortuitous chain of events, <laughs> right? Give because her too much credit. No, it could have gone either way. Like she didn't. Know, I mean, look at look at Drummer's reaction when Frank tells her that he has told Dawes that they have it because she's worried about what will somebody like that do with mm-hmm. it. I mean, to be fair, Dawes is a shady fucker, so right? Shady. So they're shady. I mean, that's what's great is that they're like Dawes of, and Aaron Wright are the same. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And so, I mean, Mar- I always feel like Mars is slight, always slightly less developed, but we will get to a point where you will see that there's people on Mars that are gunning for war and there's other people that are doing everything they can to prevent it. And I love how you have so many different, like, no one is like a caricature, right? Like none of these tribes, there are good actors and bad actors and people that want war and people that want peace and everyone is kind of like struggling and it doesn't matter like what tribe it is, but what Ni- I understand, like, politically for her own group, what, what, Na- what Naomi did. Yeah. It is ironic that actually Mars and Earth do not, in fact, have the proto-molecule. <laughs> so yeah. when she's like, everyone's going to have it. No, actually, the only political, like, clan that will have it now is the Belt because of Naomi. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I also it's also kind of interesting then that, um, you know, we have... Uh, Sorry, my phone just made a weird noise. Um, <laughs> that Naomi is basically doing the same thing that we saw with uh, Alex and Anna in the, except we're seeing it like in a very tight microcosm little little immediate world where she has made this sort of choice of not necessarily adventure, but th- that she has made a choice knowing that it would likely ruin her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but she felt like the principle of it mattered enough that it was worth it, maybe. Right. Well, and her people have a history of being oppressed Mm -hmm. and maybe having this, you know, they don't have the same history of, um, aggression's not the right word, but, you know, the belt doesn't have the same history of oppressing other people. I guess you say planets, <laughs> that, <laughs> for lack of a better word, that that Mars or the Earth, or Earth does. So she's trying to even the field. Yeah. But 
But, I mean, this is basically, like, a huge metaphor for, like, proliferation in our world, right? So do you, if you're from a country that doesn't have nuclear weapons, like, is it better to have a nuclear weapon because other other countries do? Is it worse because then the more weapons there are, like, the more instability that could bring? I mean, you know, it's, like, not quite this, like, a perfect analogy, but mm-hmm. it... I can, I definitely understand why Naomi did it. I also understand, like. Stand why everyone's pissed about it. But for many, re- for a lot of different reasons, yeah. both personal and principle. Yeah. Um, we also have not even really touched on the other. Well, so we, we've, we've done a little bit of Earth and we've, we've mostly stuck to the Rossi, but we, we also have, um, you know, Christian and Bobby and what's the other dude's name? I can never remember his name. Kotiar. Kotiar. Yeah. Before we go oh, to yeah. this, one really quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot really? of feeling. Oh yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Charisma. Big he's, time. He's a little, he, okay. I mean, again, I am not the one. sorry before before we go to there so really quickly just because it kind of sets up what a lot of the themes for the next episode Mm -hmm. the one the other last thing the the conversation between holden and prax about um holden saying like he tilts at windmills i tend to take on fights that can't be won Mm -hmm. and prax i mean basically it's like a I guess there's two ways to look at it. One is Holden is obviously mad at himself that he took a turn at the end of last season where he was like purely utilitarian. Like what is better for the many versus the few? Like when he shot down that ship or he's admitting, I didn't really care about May. (laughs) It wasn't, you know, I was basically (laughs) using you. Um, So he's, but now it's almost like an overcorrection. So he's like, fuck the big picture and fuck everybody else. And now I'm going to be myopically focused. This crusade is just going to be to save May, one person, and screw everybody else. But they have this really interesting conversation about whether hope and idealism is just sort of in the realm. I think what one of the things they say is like, is that just for children? Um, and then do you kind of grow up and realize that you can't win those battles? And that it's an interesting arc. It's interesting, like, signposts for Holden and basically the group overall, what their arc is going to be in terms of by the end of the season, that they are going to be making such a huge difference, like, in the world again. Um, but right now this is kind of like they're in their trough. Mm-hmm. Isn't it sort of crazy? I mean, like, obviously that is, this is like the idea of a narrative or whatever. Like, obviously we're going to follow the protagonists of a story. Um, but the, they did such a good job of sort of finding a way to, like, make all of these people interwoven in a way that doesn't feel forced. Because it wasn't until you, like you said, it's almost like a Game of Thrones thing. It's not until you get to, like, way in the future that you realize that all of these little threads... Mm-hmm. were actually connected and like had bearing on on each other um you know Holden wanting to then you know expand out and then and then sort of contract in terms of his uh you know caring of things in you know his family his you know humanity and then you know it turns out to be you know the human race ends up being his sort of like thing that he has to sort of put a priority on um you know once once the ring sort of expands uh out of venus whatever erupts mm-hmm. i don't remember how it worked um but just uh i don't know like i i, I appreciated sort of the way that they play with that idea that you were talking about cc 
Yeah, there's it's like a great now when you watch those scenes, knowing what the overall season arc is going to be, they're really interesting because you're like, ah, <laughs> that was a big clue. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. <laughs> um, is there anything you guys want to cover more on the Rossi? Um, I don't think so. I got a little bit, even though I just watched these episodes because they're like so interlinked. Mm-hmm. I'm like forgetting which happened in which episode. But so I'll just say like one quick thing about both of them. Yeah. Is that, and we kind of touched on this, where I love, like, Cece said this, but I love how everyone is like upset, but like still working together. And <laughs> it's done so nicely. Like, it's so nice to watch. And like everyone has their role. Um, and we see it across both these episodes with like everything they're doing. We have, um, Prax with the, the plant wall thing and like Amos is helping him. And then, like, the whole other, the tech side of, like, well, I guess that is the second episode. Anyways, let's just move into that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we can, we, can, we can talk about it now. I mean, we can just talk about Rossi stuff. Like. Yeah, they are kind I mean, this, it, basically, if you take these two episodes together, it's, it's almost like a, like a two-hour movie yeah. ending with Bobby and Christian going on board the Rossi. Yeah. Which is what we've been waiting for. Oh my god! Oh my god! Forever. Remember oh. when we were like, when it was happening, and we're like, oh my god, it's happening! It's happening! <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I had so about that. There was another symbolism thing. So, okay. um, which I'm just going up to pronounce it the corn, the cortota pine tree. I mean, is that- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought that the writers were going to be, like, super pleased when they, like, figured that out. And they were like, yeah, look at us being nerdy botany shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. But what I think is interesting, and I'm totally – you guys are going to make fun of me because this is totally, like, if I were in college, this would have been, like, the topic sentence of my final exam question. Um, <laughs> like, my, my final exam essay. But, like, when Prax describes – not only does it do well in zero-G gravity, but the reason why he's so fascinated with it is because it is a seed that flourishes after there has been a fire. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the way they set it up. So you have the ship. They erase the Rosinante. They rename it the, the con- Contorta. That's now their, like... Um, call sign right so mm-hmm. because they're act it's like their um their cover as they're c- trying to like navigate their way through a war zone mm-hmm. um it almost is symbolic of the rossi because what they were has been kind of burned down by what naomi did yeah and they're all going to go through this basically year-long crucible some of them like naomi's going to go through her own and holden's going to go through his own and and their crew that are together and i think you can say that at the end of the season what what comes back is arguably even stronger than what was before like naomi coming back for them and them realizing how much they need her Mm -hmm. um and that's what they that was the new name of the ship and so I thought it was kind of interesting symbolism, imagery. In Foreshadowing, thinking, wink, wink. Yeah, thinking about like what Prax was describing in terms of like the plan, but it also is kind of like their season-long kind of found family arc of right now it's been kind of what, what had been built before has been kind of burned to the ground and mm-hmm. it's going to come back by the end of the season. You know, I'd make that. a Buffy reference, um, but you wouldn't get it yet, Cece. But this is basically um, one of the songs in the Buffy musical. Um, so I'm on season three. When will that happen? It'll Joe? be in season six. 
So oh, for God's sake. Do you see the problem? <laughs> I mean, listen, you picked a show that was on network. So, you know, 22 episodes per season. There were seven seasons. Like... It's brutal. You've made a commitment. Plus, you have to watch Angel. But anyway, um, people who, who have seen Buffy, there's, um, you know, it, it's something very similar where they have this moment of reckoning that realizing that their found family is broken and and acknowledging that and, and how they then move past that. Um, yeah, it's because because that's the other thing is that, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, somebody's always your family, you know, if, if you're related by blood. But, you know, found family is a choice. Um, and I guess, you know, regular family is 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 a choice as well or can be. Um, but the, but sort of the the idea of it all is that, you know, found family is something that, you know, you have to sort of choose to maintain and keep and. Or yeah, abandon to go on adventures. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and Naomi, too, like from her perspective, she has the pull of the belt and feeling loyalty to the belt. And that's a journey she's going to have to go on this season. And when push comes to shove, where her heart is, is going to be with her found family of people yeah, she that come across different clans than the clan she was born into. Yeah, like her quote unquote belt blood isn't isn't her family in the way that she thought it was. Right. Um, so I think it's sort of like I liked I really love thinking about that symbolism because everyone's bond is kind of broken and and they're going to it's going to be tested in different ways and I think by the end Naomi knows like knows who her family is for sure by the end of this season right mm -hmm. I mean she like you mean after she breaks up with the drummer Trevor's <laughs> face was so sad. God, it was. Oh, I cannot wait to get to that because there are just so many, just like classic, fell for you know, a girl who has a boyfriend moments that you're just like, oh, drummer, sweet, sweet drummer. <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry, not to not to gay sidetrack us. You can gay sidetrack us anytime. Thanks, Bubs. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, now, now, sorry, I'm just, I'm just getting so excited wanting to talk about Christian um, and Bobby. Um, so unless we have anything else on the Rossi. Um, well, let's transition to like the, the next episode with how we end like the first. Oh, wait, no, because never mind. Continue. Sorry. I forgot wait, that we what? just hadn't talked about them at all for the first episode. I thought we were going to the second, but. Um, no, the first, the first episode is them still like surrounded. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause we, where, when we left, our, last left our heroes. They um, were fucked. <laughs> they were fucked. <laughs> I did like how it immediately picked up where we left off because that was so exciting. That was like a it really for, exciting episode. It, it did for them. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I guess we did have like a little bit of a time jump with the Rossi, but we were, exactly where we where we left them off um with christian and bobby yeah huh, i never noticed that that's a weird little like time flux um but yeah that that they did such a good job with the tension and like the sort of like being able to write in a little bit of banter when uh bobby offers to carry christian um, which was just the best moment and then it turns out that she does get carried by by bobby uh mm -hmm. at the end of the next episode but I, I especially liked sort of the way that they played a lot of nonverbal cues between um, Cotier. Is that uh -huh. Yeah. I will never be able to get it, like, ever. Um, Cotier and, and Bobby, sort of them reassuring their civilians that they're going to be fine, but both of them knowing that things are not going to go well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, I, I, I just, I like that part. Um, 
I thought it was like a, a nice bit of sort of realism uh, yeah. with that. Yeah. And it's such a great flip because, you know, when Christian and Bobby met at the end of last season, Christian was in her element, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it was at the UN and Bobby is testifying and that is like Christian's like, right? Like yeah. that is where she is in command. And now it, a little bit at the end of last of, of the season finale, but this episode, it's the total reverse. Yeah. And Bobby's in her element and she is ordering Christian and Christian <laughs> is just like, oh, what the fuck? You're like, fired. Yeah. She wasn't uh, scared and horny. Yeah. And these scenes are so much better, by the way, being able to actually hear Christian say fuck. Obviously. This year when it aired on sci-fi, because I think it was an hour earlier, all of the fucks, if you watched it off of like, off of like just directly the network were bleeped out. And it's just not the same to have Christian not saying fuck. So I, all of these scenes where she was just like, fuck and don't fucking say that to me. And I don't give it like, all of that was like, I forget, like flip or frick, or I forget what they did. I it's think just there not- was one where she was like, forget you. I was like, mm. nah, that's <laughs> not Christian. There's something about a woman that elegant saying fuck that is magical. Elegant <laughs> and like her age and position, just all of it is just, uh, it's just I, so Being weird. annoyed about removing her earrings and her accessories. Oh my God. It was like, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um I- I love but, the the physicality that they gave to Bobby because again they've they've made her into this marine and stuff, but they basically had her like Indiana Jones around the outside of this fucking spaceship, nearly get sucked into the engine, like open oh, up the bay doors. She's like, a superhero. She's a superhero. Epic. And then this shot when the, when the suit comes off, yeah, like, like something out of like some huge like blockbuster movie. She just looks so badass, and that's not usually women who get to have those kind of like kind of like iconic badass moments so well not just that but she's like she is curvy or than you would expect like a superhero and like it's she's still like prime physical element in her element like it's it is nice like she is very different from what you typically see even when it's like a a female action hero yeah i'm really i'm really glad she's believably like you Mass. believe you believe she yeah. she's a beautiful woman and you believe yeah. that she could also kick someone's ass yeah. and I love that she's on my television screen. Like she yeah. is not small. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where you're just kind of like you are a wiry little hundred like I'm sorry. Like I get that like Buffy or whatever to bring it back. Yeah. Um, you know, has <laughs> super supernatural strength or whatever, but if you just looked at her and you're like you're 110 pounds and Bobby is, you know, like she's a professional boxer like in real life, the actress. And so like mm-hmm. She's swole. Like, yeah. she's yeah. got some mass to move around. And then it makes you buy it. It makes, because she's, you know, six feet tall. Like, she is physically imposing. Right. You um, believe that she's a Marine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Plus, plus she's got that cool ass suit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk about, because I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Let's talk about your feelings. Christian and Kotyar <laughs> and the, like, mother-son. Oh, I love it. She loved him. I mean, because remember, going, am I remembering this correctly? She knows him because he was with her son yes. in the war when her son died. Correct. Yes. Okay. So then you have a scene which she didn't get to be there when her son died. She didn't get to help him. She didn't get to say goodbye. And then when I was watching this the first time, 
it just felt, I just felt like such a gut punch because she's having this moment with somebody who's almost now become like an adopted son to her, but she's getting to do for him by caring for him and taking care of his wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, oh my God, the goodbye scene, (laughs) that wordless scene between and and then i'm like oh my god oh my god that really can't be the last time they ever see each other fuck 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 and now you know that it is it it is one of my most favorite scenes in this whole show like the way it was acted with almost no dialogue just blew me away it absolutely broke my heart and i felt like between tending his wounds and getting to see his face and knowing that it might be the last time she ever sees him I feel like it was almost kind of like getting to do the things that she didn't yeah. get to do to say goodbye to her son totally yeah. and it's just really fucks me up and <laughs> no, I you're totally right though because it's it was like a wordless scene but when I was watching it it's like all these words were just like filling my heart because like so much was being said and it was just like but I also don't want to ignore the fact that they also do have really great chemistry and I would be into them as that kind of mother and son (laughs) (laughs) wow so an hour and a half in and we've got incest I'm glad I'm glad the hiatus did nothing to dull your appetites I'm still me (laughs) I'm like mom feels and you're like incest but what if they fucked but no I'm not trying to discount there were all the mom feels but at the same time, since they weren't actually mother son, since they're not technically related, I mean, no, I, I got like that stepmom feel. I don't want to cheapen either end of it, but they do have really great chemistry, and they're both like beautiful people. So, like, there were moments where I was like, I mean, I ever wonder if, like, on the side, that happened. <laughs> I mean, let's just say, and no offense to Mister Analyst, non-pilot guy, I don't even know his Mister Redshirt. Um, um, you know, Cotier, uh Bobby and Christian, like, I'd watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Would you not? The other guy films. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I would watch it, obviously. Oh, Terrible people. Um, <laughs> shit, what were we even talking about? I didn't we were talking about we were talking about beautiful the, like, mothers and relationships. The beautiful soul crushing moment. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was just good. And then you had, and then you split up. And usually, the way that things split up is that you know the man takes the important lady. But in this case, like a Bobby fucking Draper is put in charge of. of she Christian. was the right one for the job. She was, and. You know, they, they find Julie Mao's ship, which I just loved again that, like, God damn it, it's always Julie Mao. Oh, um, my God. And it's also, like, there's so much for sh- – like, you have no idea that we're – like, now when you see the ship and you're like, uh-huh, and we're going to meet her sister. And that whole family, like, mythology is going to be a big part of this season, right? You think right. it's just kind of like a callback to Miller and Julie, like Julie but nope. But you're like, no, we're actually going to hang out with – more of the Maus mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, like going into the zero G stuff, I feel like I actually have a well actually on that one um, <laughs> later on. Um, I'm trying to look through the notes here. I like how the, the seats tilted and everything like that. I thought the, the whole action scenes um, on that ship 
I thought were so well done. Although I'm sure you're well actually will weave into that. But like I still I was like wowed by the special effects and I just like the nice touches of like the seats turning. Yeah, and you know that was a special I listened to the sci-fi podcast for that episode too, and that was like a special set that they built that actually did that. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. It yeah. reminded me of one of those gyroscopic things that you like see at like a theme park. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Or like, yeah. like get into it and you or like. space camp. And they like launch yeah. you. <laughs> no, the one where you um like, they're like concentric uh, mm-hmm. gyroscope things and you like sort uh, of put yourself in an X shape and then they spin you uh, around. Where you look like the Leonardo da Vinci drawing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Leonardo mm-hmm. da Vinci drawing ride where people barf. <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of pick up with that with with their stuff again uh, more into the into the second episode because then they're actually sort of outrunning, um, I guess, the UN ships. Um, things don't go well for them. Um, I guess. I guess now would actually unless you guys have other things to say about their initial escape, I'd like to move us back into sort of talking about Earth since that's going to sort of determine you know a little bit more of where the course of action takes um yeah but really quickly before we go to earth the one other thing we touched on it a little bit but the whole conversations i i thought it was really like on a much smaller scale the conversation between frank and drummer oh right i totally forgot about we had like five minutes yeah uh, with the belt yeah so it's interesting because uh, you know on the rossi you have Naomi's team, Naomi's like crew being angry at her that she did something behind their back. Then you have Frank and Drummer. And Frank, without telling Drummer ahead of time, <laughs> received the proto molecule and told Dawes. And Drummer's like, what, what the, the fuck? Because Dawes is a shady fucker. Right? I mean, remember me when she's like, this is why I have this bullet. <laughs> and I saved you from Dawes. Ooh. And now you went behind my back, right? And they but remind, they remind the us. We did get her doing sit-ups inverted <laughs> hanging from a bar. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that Dawes was right to do what he did, uh, but, but I'm saying I'm not it. sad about it. Well, but it's interesting because I thought at first, when I first watched that scene, I thought it was just to be like, and it is, look what a badass drummer is and the actress doing it like for real. Mm-hmm. But they close up, I thought they were like, doing the close-up on the bullet to, like, remind us what a badass drummer is. But in addition to that, she's going to then say in the next scene to Frank, like, I have this bullet because of fucking Dawes. And now you just told him. Now you're in bed with him? Like, what? And so it's interesting because it's, like, another, on a a smaller scale, but, like, a betrayal between Frank and drummer. protege. Right, Mm -hmm. who had worked together to build, like, the cathedral the and and it's just like so they're kind of working out the same thing but it's this it also an interesting kind of bookend's not the right word but but the same conversation that holden is having with prax about few versus the many and hope and cynicism drummer and frank are kind of having the same conversation like frank has this vision that the belt can be on equal on the equal playing field with earth and mars and whoever he needs to work with to make that happen he's willing to do it so it's kind of like this interesting mix of idealism and cynicism (laughs) um and drummer is um like I think this is like, this is bullshit. What what do you mean you're going to take a cathedral and we're going to like retrofit it into being like a battleship? Like, what do you like? So she doesn't have the vision there, 
but she has the principle of Dawes is not who should be leading the belt, right? Like, why mm-hmm. are you in bed with him? So, and they kind of work it out, but like what Fra- Frank's vision to retrofit, to like recover the cathedral and retrofit it is what will save everyone yeah. at the end of the season. Um, and it just starts with this little conversation at the bar where Drummer has that like amazing, can I finish, can I finish my drink first? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that huge impact on everyone, right? It's this little conversation at the bar. It starts at this little conversation between the two of them at the bar. Well, and it's where she got promoted too, right? Like it's where he was like, and I want you to be in charge. Like that's, that did happen in that scene, right? Uh, He wants her to lead the recovery. Got it. It, Right? I I feel like I was kind of surprised when we came back and she's basically like the admiral, like the commander. I don't don't remember if there's something happens in between. I think Kiri was basically like, I'm leading, I need a recovery mission to get it and I want you to lead it. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously it's building up to then her being basically like on, in command on deck. Yeah. Um, But it's just such, I love how it's like starts with this small intimate scene with two people talking and then you think about what the decisions they're making and how that's going to play out on the grandest possible (laughs) scale at the end of the season Um, I mean I think that this show does an excellent like it's masterful in that way where you kind of again don't know what these little threads are Mm -hmm. Um, that just get dropped but then end up having these huge ramifications by the end of the season um yeah, yeah it's, yep. it's, it's something that the show does very well. Mm-hmm. The story pieces fit together really nicely. Um, yeah. We don't have, like, none of the dramas about, like, a misunderstood conversation. Like, everyone has an agenda. Everyone has what they think um, is the path forward, yeah. either for humanity or for their people or for science. Um, so it is, it's nicely complex. In a way that, like, <laughs> these fun little side things, like, feed into a bigger picture. Right. And there's the political and the print, like, there's the layers that are both political and principled. And then there's the layers that are personal. And that's the way it is in real life, too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, th- it's interesting watching it. And maybe this is a good segue because, Joe, you wanted to jump into Earth. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. I don't, did you guys feel like I did an initial watch. I don't know if it's just because we're watching this in November of 2018. I felt like there was a lot of what was going on in the Earth plot felt like it had a lot of real world. Uncomfortably uh, true. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, and I'll say because, you know, we're all obviously in the United States for those listening. <laughs> we just came out of an election and uh, sort of cynicism versus idealism and, um, kind of praying to people's worst instincts versus trying to appeal to their better angels. There's mm-hmm. just a breaking the cycle. There's just a lot of very um, on point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way. I, I won't go further down that rabbit hole, but a lot of things that are very thought provoking given sort of the real world <laughs> we're living in. Yeah. I mean, what what is this secretary general's name? Not the secretary. Wait, who's in Sorrento? Um the 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 UN sec- secretary general. Yeah, yes. what the fuck is his name? I've already forgotten it because the only ones who actually matter are Anna and Aaron Wright. Because whoever the secretary, he's he has um he's 
He has a Spanish name, though, right, Bubs? It's like she uses his first name. It's a Spanish first name, and then I I feel like when we saw when somebody shows the the video of him giving the speech that she originally wrote, mm-hmm. is his last name like Sorrento? Like I, I honestly do not remember what his name was at any point. Um, but let me see if I can find is, it. He's a secretary sort general. Of useless, like. Well, you, it's interesting because I actually, in this episode... Or an idiot? I don't know. <laughs> well, so in the, in the opening episode, you see that sort of, um, like, situation room debate mm-hmm. about what they should do with Mars. And you have, like, the military being quite level-headed and being like, look, we don't know if it was Mars. Um, and, ha- and then Aaron Wright is, like, the warmonger, yeah. and, and he tries a bunch of different tactics. It's interesting. I forgot to mention because both Aaron Wright and Christian, when the red shirt is freaking out about finding the communication device Mm -hmm. so that she can take the recording, Christian like expertly knows how to talk to him Mm -hmm. to persuade him to rise to the occasion. And it's really interesting, like foreshadowing why she's going to do exactly the same thing to Holden. Mm -hmm. Um, later on when she's trying to get him to intercede. Aaron Wright knows how to manipulate the secretary general as well. He tries a lot of different tactics. And then finally what works is appealing to his vanity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is your legacy. Yeah. And that's what pushes him over the edge. Cause he doesn't want to appear weak. It's that the secretary general is just sort of this like empty vessel, which I think is, I guess, probably a commentary on just politics in general. Um, you know, you find your guy that you can, you know, sways the left or the right however you need to you know move them move your own sort of piece on the board um but they have you know sort of the charisma and whatever is needed um and doesn't anna uh, not, say sorry um, no go ahead oh no i was just gonna say so i looked it up on imdb to find his name his name is senator um sun jen Gilli- gillies so it's not spanish but um ironically the actor who plays it since you're describing him as like someone who you can manipulate and who will kind of like do your bidding the way you want it his last name is Whitaker which is isn't that our new attorney general Ugh, everything's Well terrible. done, Bubs. Well done. <laughs> Talking about inescapable. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Everything is awful. Everything um, is... But, um... No, it doesn't Anna, Joe, for what you were saying, Anna says that later on, right? That as terrible as Aaron Wright, as much as she disagrees with Aaron Wright, at least she knew what he... That he stood for a principle. Yeah. Whereas the Secretary of General stands for nothing other than himself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's more dangerous, Um, you know, to have someone who is only loyal to themselves because that sort of throws morality out the window. Yeah. Um, And it can throw rationality out the window as well. Yeah, Um, it's not predictable, right? Right. If somebody's principled like Aaron Wright, you know what his – you may not be able to, like, guess how he is, but you you can predict what his endgame is. Um, And it's funny because in this episode, it it sets you up to think – well, maybe the Secretary of General is smarter than you think, and he's sort of doing a Lincoln, um, like Civil War cabinet, right? Well, like we, a team of like a team of rivals. When well, we I'm see gonna... him try to manipulate Anna, like in Episode Two, you know, to convince her to sort of come on, and sort of he negotiates or whatever. But she, like, you also get the sense that she's like allowing him this, like allowing him to convince her. Right. Well, she's. It's interesting because as principled as she is, she still cuts a deal. 
Mm -hmm. And she's like, I will, you know, she says that she's opposed to this. It's war. She knows like whatever is in their past, which is a little um, fuzzy to me right now that she basically hasn't forgiven him that she talks about at the end of the episode when she's talking to her wife. Um, Despite all of those reservations, she cuts a deal for one, a measly one year of funding for her clinic, which obviously will bring a lot of good to people. But when you're talking about but you're a terrible negotiator, <laughs> well, a terrible negotiator, and you're convincing a planet to go to war, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> that's like okay, I will let you cut my knee, but you have to give me a band aid, right? I mean, it's really interesting. One with Batman on it. <laughs> <laughs> or Spider-Man. I, I don't right. want any of this, like, normal Band-Aid shit. It's really – because I like Anna a lot, but it's a really interesting um, macro, micro, like, what – I mean, she's ultimately going to – when she's in that room for dinner and they're like, oh, sorry to, like, keep you waiting. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm not the important one in here. And it's, like, so funny now because it's like, actually, you are. Because you're <laughs> the one who's going to pass along the communication and out – the whole conspiracy and avoid war. Um, and you're also the one that's going to convince him to hesitate. Right. And, yeah. you know, that whole that whole shit show of, you know, people died because there was hesitation. Oh, that's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. I mean, so is that good. episode three or episode four? That one and the mutiny are just so unbelievably good. Yeah. I mean, well, so so I know that we were only talking about these two today or whatever, yeah. but, but the one where, you know, Anna, that was actually that starts to get into sort of the meaty debates yes. that, of, of this season of like, well, was she was right, but it also fucked up, you know, her principled morality caused a lot of people to die. Right. Well, um, I mean, that's, that's the other thing that, you know, they introduce her in sort of this noble, right? Like she's walking by the protest. She comes to the aid of the protester who's been hit. She's um, not that good a person. Well, like as the show goes on, you're like, oh, you're like not. She's com- well, she's complex. she's complicated. She's complicated. She's far more interesting, I think, that yes. way, right? But they it's really her as this Mother Teresa, and it turns out that she is actually of. Mother Teresa and very complicated. I mean, kind of. I'm 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 curious. She's she is so jaded and suspicious of the Secretary of General based on her past experience. Mm-hmm. And clearly has not, you know, she says, like, despite being a minister, I'm not able to forgive him. Right? Like, she feels like it's a personal, like, that's how strong her feelings yeah. are. Um, and yet, she cuts a deal to work for him. And and, and it, I don't know if it's, if she thinks, like, you know, basically, like, it's me trying to make things a little less, make it less bad is better than me walking away on principle and having nothing to do with this at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting for someone as principled as she is that she decides to work for him. I think it's, I don't know, the thing that I struggle with her because I don't really like her, but I feel like sometimes I'm not fair about it because maybe I just kind of find her annoying. So I'm trying to like (laughs) come to terms with that. But like one of the things um, that rubs me the wrong way is she kind of has that, like, Finn complex. Oh, why did I bring up another show that I don't want to bring up? Um, no, she has, like, that complex where um, you think you're good. You believe you're good. And by pushing everything through a lens of you being good, you don't notice, um, 
where you're compromised and where you're making decisions that a good person does not make. Um, because you see everything through a lens of you being good. Um, so I think like that's something that annoys me um, with the character. So is she a narcissist? No, it's just the like a little bit righteous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's yeah, like that. how she leaves her family behind because she's on a mission, uh, like mm-hmm. a divine mission. Right. The other interesting kind of as I was rewatching this episode, um, I feel like this, whether it's with Anna and Aaron Wright, mm-hmm. um, kind of starting their back and forth. God, they um, hated each other. It was so good. It's so good <laughs> about dinner. And I love, I love, by the way, that like, I noticed the chit chat in the background for um, the Secretary General staffers when Anna's at the table. They're making totally bigoted comments. Oh, really? About, uh, oh, yeah, about belters and about, I think pe- maybe also people from Mars, but they say something like about belters. They're like, oh, well, I mean, if all you care about is money, then you might as well be a belter. And the way that they're saying it, it's almost like you could. It sounds like 10 steps removed from like a bigoted comment from our world. Mm-hmm. And Anna's face is really uncomfortable listening mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they turn to her and then they're all like friendly and joking around and stuff. But you can tell she's listening to them and can't believe the way that they're talking about people from the belt. Um, and I couldn't catch if they also were talking about people from Mars, but they're totally like stereotyping and... I, I I should go back. I should have like written down exactly what they said because I was like, oh my god, the, what they're saying is like terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed that. But I thought what was interesting also is so just going back. So whether it's a conversation between Anna and Aaron Wright, and whether a war crime of <laughs> of of going after Mao's family is worth like precluding other people from getting the proto molecule and that kind of like cost benefit like collateral damage argument. Or um, sort of the the dis, the kind of other discussion that the Rossi's having about whether they should just be going after May or whether they should answer a distress call. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the, you know one of the big themes of this season is sort of breaking the cycle of violence. Oh yes, and, yes, we, we we have that highlighted in in the run sheet. Yep, and um. whether and it's something that a lot of. Uh, other shows this particular season have touched on, like 12 Monkeys touched on it, The 100 touched on it. Um, whether it's just human nature that we resort to violence and conflict and tribalism and we're just doomed to always repeat our mistakes, or we can break the cycle and cro- you know cross over to connect with people that are different from us and choose peaceful means. And at least where this season ends, they choose peaceful means. They certainly, with sort of the closing monologue, raise whether that's something that can continue Mm -hmm. um, when there's a new frontier. But even in the structure of this episode, you have people like Aaron Wright or Mal with the super fucking creepy, terrible scientist basically calculating uh, that it's wor- creepy as shit oh my god he's like the most enthusiastic creepy i'm experimenting like people who talk to ever. kids that way i'm like Ugh, you're oh, terrible. <laughs> super creepy but well, you have like not pedo creepy just creep creepy like right but you have all these examples in the episode on the one hand sort of the the dark side of human nature that mao and that scientist are willing to sacrifice these children if it means they can create 
a superior weapon mm-hmm. using the proto-molecule that they can control. Um, you have Aaron Wright, who's like, oh, I think war crimes are fine as long as it like gets me, it, it achieves a greater good. Um, and you you have this, so, like the staffers joking around and saying bigoted comments. On the other end of the spectrum, you have our, like, our that like conversation with Christian and Bobby that's basically like, I am a like disgraced politician from earth and you are a, a soldier that like mutinied or yeah. not mutinied, but deserted from Mars. You have the Rossi and they represent people from all three of the different kind of tribes. Mm-hmm. And they are all crossing over from their like people and working together for a greater good. So in this episode, you have sort of like the best in human nature and the worst in human nature juxtaposed against each other, right? Like you have people experimenting on children and you have people like answering a distress call, even though it's at great personal risk to themselves. And they're basically are like having Earth declare war on them by the end of the episode. So I just it's setting up like a a long term theme for the whole season about breaking the cycle. But even within this episode, you have the whole spectrum of human behavior, like the good and the very, very bad (laughs) that we are capable of. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, that that absolutely does. Um, I'm glad you're on this episode today because I had none of this. (laughs) Um, Like if you look at my notes, I have like, Two bullet points. Um, yeah, also, no. yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, please. I had nothing again. No, I really miss Aaron Wright, and I know that sounds really. Uh, yeah, Wh- I do. Why? So this, so the actor, I forget his name. Did you guys ever see him in Big Love? Oh, I saw Big Love. Wait, who was he? Was Roman? He he was the brother. Oh, that's where I recognize him. Girlfriend yeah. used to watch Big Love. I never watched it. I love Big Love. He was um, what's who, Bill Paxton's brother, who was kind of like a little bit dim-witted and bumbling. And so the actor is just so good because he played this somebody that was like very earnest and like easily um, taken advantage of in Big Love. And now he's like the diabolical, (laughs) like, right? Playing everyone. And like, so just seeing that kind of this actor's like range, I just really enjoyed it. Cause I was like, wow, he is like really good at what he does because he played the total opposite in the last show that I saw him. But I just thought that he was a great not only was he like a great kind of big bad to root against, right? Because he just keeps keeps getting the better of everyone. But he also keep, made good points sometimes. And, like, and yes, damn and it. Abs- right. So not only is he fun to root against and a worthy adversary, so that by the time they finally bring him down, it's like such a fist pumping moment. But on the other hand, he does make some good points and you and you get to the end of it and you're like I don't like that I understand his point of view I mean I disagree with it and I'm super like you know there are some points in the season where I wanted to I I wanted I probably did throw pillows but I wanted to throw something even more because he like (laughs) made me so angry but they just did a really really good job of making you understand why he was doing what he was doing even if you disagreed with it no, he was he's he was an excellent and I won't even use the term villain because again, like we sort of had his point of view and 
yes, he was nefarious about some stuff and he did shady things to accomplish it. Well, he just murdered um, a few people and framed. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Not a, not a good dude. But remember that we've watched Christian torture people. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's the right. thing. In, in terms of not good dudeness, he's not that far outside of all the other mm-hmm. not good dudes. Like, it's not he's like. He's not. Right. Yeah. It's not like the worst dude that has ever been. Like I, you just I have would, to peel back the like unlikability, and then it's close to the same level as people who are more likable and still as ruthless, still still as shitty. Yeah. Like, I just I just miss watching him as and and I remember I listened to a podcast and I I think um, the writers and I'm were saying that they they really expanded his role beyond the books because they just liked what the actor was doing and like kind of like what they could do with that plot wise I think I'm remembering that right Um, I mean that wouldn't surprise me like you know I feel like if if he had a small part and I saw him I would try to get him more presence because he's he does a great job Mm -hmm. um, at making you uncomfortable and hate him but also be like "Ah, but you have a point right and he's so good like you know the scene when he's talking to the secretary general and he's totally framing Christian and Secretary General's like, well, why didn't you tell me this before? And he says, well, she was like a mother to me. You and snake. it's one of those lies that you're like, the reason why he's able to sell it is because there's a part of that that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Like, he was – am I remembering that right from the first two seasons? Like, he was aligned with her, Right. I mean, she, or she thought he was. Yeah, like They exactly. had a personal relationship and he was more of like a protege, yeah. right? So it's one of those lies that's so he, that he's able to sell it so well because there's a part of it that's true. Um, and so there's just so many layers to like those scenes. And then it's just so fun to watch him as an antagonist. So just to be clear, I don't like in the politics of space agree with Aaron <laughs> Wright. I just had a lot of fun watching him. And I kind of mm. missed, I kind of missed how he... I missed, like, he was a good antagonist because he created that drama and I kind of missed him in the second half of the season. Well, I missed him. I feel like a lot of that sort of needing to see that someone, but someone who also has a point, um, was, wait, who was the name of the guy who ended up uh, as second in command to drummer? Oh, um, uh, Strathern, David Strathern. Yeah. What was his, I can't remember his character on the show, but like Uh, he was totally that guy too, except he made you, when you read him, you sort of read him as, I'm I'm just going to use the shorthand evil, even Mm -hmm. though you ended up sort of finding out that he's just sort of abrasive, but actually you, you would really actually trust him, you know, which is sort of the opposite of Aaron Wright, who sort of presents himself as someone who is very trustworthy and on your side, um, but is fucking not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so one's like I, a politician and the other is more of like a tribesman, like more of a paternal, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I understand that we lost Aaron Wright, but, but I did enjoy um, uh, Strathern's work as well. Like I, I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have anything else about Earth uh, before we head back into space? No. Yeah. Space. Um, let's talk, I guess, uh, a little bit about maybe Prax and Amos a little bit more, because I thought that we had some really great work in terms of sort of them becoming friends and then, you know, they have a life and death moment together. Uh, 
Amos decides to, you know, try to save him and stuff, though at the same time it was really cheesy when he was like, it, you know, reach behind you for your air hose and like whatever sort of physical pantomiming that the the actor who plays Prax was doing, I was like, come on, your arms are not that inflexible. Like, just reach behind you. Like, it's right there. You're nowhere near it. You're not oh even God. trying. Um, well, but he also, though, is um, both – what I like about – and I, people write about this all the time, but I love how Christian, to a far – like, much, like, extreme – extent but also prax are not used to traveling at these speeds and yeah. so you know obviously christian is like getting physically like a lot of really bad things are happening <laughs> to her body but so, so to a lesser extent but still to prax so i like that you know this isn't like Star Wars, where they jump to like hyperspeed and everyone's fine, whether they've ever <laughs> flown on the Millennium Falcon or not. Everyone is, is really sick and it hurts and it doesn't feel good. And they're like playing the animal chess game with like the holograms and everyone's cool. But like on this show, you're fucked up if you've never gone. So Prax to a lesser extent, but he's a little bit fucked up when they're when they're doing this sort of like space battle fights. So I guess I had canon that like he's not quite as cool under. Got it. Speeds his anus. <laughs> but, but, no, I mean, who is? Who could ever be as cool under <laughs> under yeah under pressure? Though I did especially enjoy, um, and again, just the writing that they do between Christian and Bobby. Um, oh, when uh, when Bobby tells her to squeeze her thighs together, and Christian is basically just like, "Now is not the time to be hitting on me." <laughs> I was just, I, I, it was just like so. To be able to write that sort of like wonderful in character levity um, mm-hmm. in a show that is otherwise quite serious, yeah. like it's not it's not Killjoys and it's not The Magicians, like it no. is a serious show. But it has funny moments, like sure. when when Holden beats the shit out of the coffee maker <laughs> and Prax is like, "You should really try tea." <laughs> and it's just total so deadpan, and then cut to the next scene. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, there were just, they did such a good job, I feel like, leaning into realizing sort of when they can and should be funny, uh, Mm -hmm. especially in these first two episodes, Um, to the point where it's just almost, um, and I mean this in the best way, like fan service, Um, because we were all waiting for more Bobby and Christian, and then they gave it to us, and so like, you know, and everyone just, I'm sure, I feel like during the hiatus, you know, people were like, ah, Bobby and Christian, you know, even though obviously that was never going to happen, but they're going to include a joke about Bobby flirting with her. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just, and then, um, yeah, I don't know, I just, I I feel like they did a really good job sort of giving us um, those character relationship moments? Is that what you guys call them? Is that what feelings are? Um. <laughs> well, no, I think it's like, I think the thing with like fan service is that um, shows are in a sense supposed to give you some of what you want. Like it's, it's like some of it. Otherwise it's just creator masturbatory. Exactly. Like, so I think or, that. Or mass, or mass, or mass, like you're a sadist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so I think that this was a good balance of we got, all of our favorite people in the same room and we it was just very like climactic and exciting um but then it's not like they're not gonna sit around and shoot the shit and make like silly like in show jokes um it goes beyond that so then it's like it goes back to the story so i think it's you do have to give the audience a little bit of what they want while still sticking with like the meat of the story i don't know and the scene with the um you know i 
so many people write about how the science on this show is like so unbelievable like mm-hmm. and even in this episode like the different the maneuvers that they do mm-hmm. there's like a scientific explanation and underpinning for that um you know in that to slice off the um on the UN ship that mm-hmm. kind of like slingshot thing that they do. That thing was um, so cool. Like I was like, oh what's the thing they're about to do? What are you guys going to do? What do you guys plan? What's, what's <laughs> yeah. happening? But there's like, I remember reading after the episode aired that that was like, there, there's, there's like a scientific, like legit underpinnings for how they wrote that. Um, and in a, And also the scene, like I think a classic scene for this show is the Amos and Prox scene where all those, they forgot, he forgot to secure those Mm -hmm. objects. And they start, they take something that is an everyday, all everyday objects that we would have, and they show you really dramatically with really high stakes how different it is, how how lethal those objects can be when you are in space and traveling, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like all everyday things, but they're floating around and like any of them, like if any of them make contact with them, they're going to die. I just thought it was just like, to me, that scene with the tools floating around is like a classic scene for the show. And like what sets it apart from other shows that take place in space where I feel like you never, it's never that, as realistic as a show that takes place in space right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you actually kind of felt that there was some amount of danger just being in the ship. Not necessarily that they were being attacked, not, you know, because of aliens or whatever the fuck. It is it is dangerous. You are in a fucking tin can in the mm-hmm. middle of a vacuum. Like, bad things can happen. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I mean... Like, yeah, like Christian shooting her gun at Bobby... And then Kotiar is in the last episode. He's like, "Okay, stop, 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 stop!" Because his bullets are ricocheting everywhere, right? Yeah. Like, and off of her suit. And then where do they ricochet off of? Yeah, <laughs> so. they're gonna like punch a hole in the hull. Like, it's but, not, it's not great. Or you know, and I liked sort of how they Christian was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting the hang of this, you know. And then turns out that she's bleeding out of her nose, and then she passes out and has to be bridal carried by Bobby onto the onto the ship. Which, P.S. Could that not have been any better of a way to like join those two groups of people? Oh, like it is fucking epic. Like epic. Bobby yeah. bridal carrying a passed out Christian. Like it's so. It's everything I ever wanted. It's everything I ever wanted, like, in the doors opening and then the Rossi Cruz face being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I love, I love that Holden in the episode before was like, you know, I am out of the business of tilting at windmills and I'm not going to save the world anymore. And then the doors open and it's fucking Christian and Bobby and they're the ones that have the means to the communication that can end the war. <laughs> it's like... I'm sorry, Holden. <laughs> LOL. You should not have given that up for Lent. Um, yeah. Um, let's talk about, uh, real quick, uh, Io for like a hot minute, Creepy Doctor and Mao and Weird Children, uh, and then maybe we'll wrap it up if we've got anything else to talk about. Okay. Yeah? Sounds good. Am I rushing us? I don't know. No. Okay, cool. Um, so Creepy Doctor and Mao um, using children to bioengineer uh, the protomolecule into a controllable um, entity, which, haha, spoiler, not going to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, do you, hypothetically, if it had worked, like if this was a viable thing, 
Do you test on kids? Um, <laughs> I are you are you purposefully asking this so that Bubs and I will get into a fight? Oh my god! <laughs> are, no, that's just a bonus. Go on. <laughs> I do have to say that, like, I was on board of like this is horrible, this is terrible. Um, but that moment where um they had like this breakthrough. Where they realize, like, the um, the boy's turned into, like, the proto-alien enough that he's, like, interpreting what's going on and giving them information. At that point, I was like, like, I was like, this is cruel, this is what, and then that happened, I was like, oh, interesting, so, so what, what's the information? Like, this is very important. <laughs> and so, like, it's, it's really hard, like, yes, it's horrible, I would not vote to do it. At the same time, I feel very conflicted. Because, like, that information is so, um, I get the appeal, and I get how someone with less uh, moral strings um, could justify it, I guess. I mean, we, we, of course, as the audience, realize that it's not going to work. And so you're kind of like, well, that's objectively horrible. You wasted, you know. Yeah, but some of the best inventions were mistakes. Exactly. So maybe you were going to oops yourself, you know, a super soldier Which out of proto-molecule. And they oops themselves, like, direction in terms of, like, what's actually going on. Yeah. Instead, they oopsed into that boy disassembling a person mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of episodes. So I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, my God. That was, like, it took me a minute to realize what had happened. And I was like, that's actually kind of cool. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, sorry, Cece. So I'm guessing you were of the never experiment on children camp. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not ever. Um, And I mean, we face existential threats in our, in our world, like things like cancer and things that like wipe out huge swaths of people. And we choose not, even if there were benefits to experiment on humans and children. I mean, but eventually things do go to human trials. Yeah. Yeah. But that's with, that is after you have experimented in the parts of an animal, like in a test tube, in the parts of an animal, then the animal. animal. Yeah. In an animal, like you did in, in vitro, in vivo, and then you get clearance from the FDA and then you get volunteers from who are adults who give consent. So but in this case, it seems that they set it up, though, that, like, it could only stole, work with children. They stole the children. I mean, yeah, that's from, a little creepy no. and not good. No, 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 but they stole the children from their parents. Uh-huh. Their parents don't know where their children are. They're lying to the children and telling the children that they're sick. And that's why they've been taken away from their parents. Which is half true. How is it at all true? They're, they're this sick. is the worst North Pole ever. they're not they're not sick they that's why they were picked though they have like a genetic abnormality that has they have a but but they have a genetic abnormality but i don't think there was any indication that the children were sick because of it they needed special treatments they're telling them they need special treatments when the special treatments are in fact the experimental so you think that they were experimenting on them when they were on ganymede they actually did need the special treatments um, that's why the doctor, when she finally injects May with the actual serum, she says this one's a little different. I'm I'm actually super unclear about that. 
I could be yeah, wrong. I that, but because I, I thought that she was whatever, already sick of some sort because that's how she was that's but, how but, May knew the doctor. But even okay, so even if that and may, maybe I'm just fuzzy on like last season and I but and maybe I just I didn't know whether the medicine was at one point legit and then they discovered the abnormality and then but whatever they're doing now is not cool. Is not to make them better. Yeah, oh, no. Experiment, that's right? That's true. So, the, yeah, no, like, they're not being the, helpful now. When the little boy is telling the little girl, like, oh, well, we're sick and I got this new treatment and, like, look what I can do. Like, I don't even, <laughs> there's no scenario. I'm so, like, and I know that Bubs and I always fall like, there's no scenario where I think that this is okay. So, it's just one of those, like, this is the same thing that happened on the hundred when they were experimenting on people, <laughs> but particularly when you have children and they can't give consent. And I think adults have a duty to children. Um, and it's not something that we do in our world to adults or children, even when we face huge like public health crises that kill millions and millions of people every year. Well, so no, well, we have never been pushed to the place where like in the hundred was, but Yeah. And in this case, like, there isn't really, we don't know enough about the threat for this to be an avenue of exploration yet. We actually, one of the big questions of the show is, is it even a threat? Yeah. Because the only thing that attacked humans were the previous humans that they experimented on and created, correct? Uh, Yeah. The being that attacked Bobby was created by Mal's lab, right? Yes. And the one, and there's like, there ends up being another one, right? Like who also goes after Bobby on... Well, what about the original Sarah's station? That was, Julie Mao accidentally got infected because the blue matter was um, infecting them all and like eating up their matter. But that was, but but what I'm saying is, I'm unclear even right now sort of, and people who are, who've read the books or are listening to this are, are probably chuckling, but <laughs> I'm unclear right now when you're talking about whatever the protomolecule is, if the protomolecule acting completely on its own is actually a threat to mankind, or are we causing a conflict because we are perceiving, number one, perceiving it as a threat, and number two utilizing it and releasing it whether whether what happened to julie or whether what mal is doing with experimenting on the children and we're the ones fucking it up in a in a way that if the protomolecule had been left to its own device maybe it wouldn't have gone down that way i mean i I have to wonder if part of it is sort of a commentary on because humans would do the bad thing we assume that the right this is obviously doing the bad thing absolutely so i'm i'm unclear sort of like where as to where the show stands now and after holden's interactions with blue miller and i'm i don't know what yet to conclude about the protomolecule or its intent or or whether it's a real threat or whether we perceive it's a threat and whether that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy um that's kind of where i'm at i don't know if that's a right read or not mm-hmm. but do you, i mean do you i i feel unclear on it and i love that that i'm i'm hoping that that's actually kind of the point yeah. <laughs> like big picture um i guess like my I think that's really interesting, but, like, my sticking point is that, like, before people were really 
using it, it did kill people by just like like being like a flesh eating virus, basically. Well, did it actually kill? Like, or I mean, is it transforming in, into something that we don't understand and would maybe not be certainly would not be our choice? Well, because it doesn't seem that Miller is Miller. It seems more that like Miller is the pro, uh, proto molecule using something that's familiar to hold in to communicate with him. But Julie still, I'm, I'm unclear because Julie still had parts of Julie, but then it's almost like what it becomes almost like a hive mind. Yeah. Maybe. I think we need, yes. maybe we'll get more of an explanation for it. Like, yeah, I'm just unclear. Like, even. We don't, I don't feel like I or any of the humans on the show understand the nature of the transformation that takes place. And certainly no one that that happened to, whether it's Julie, I mean, Miller, I guess, made a choice, like, to save Earth on a suicide mission. But, like, it's not like people, like, willingly opted to do that. But I don't feel like we have all of the information to understand, like, what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And maybe it would be one of those things like down the road, like so many of these other sci-fi shows, like if you had the choice to be a part of that or remain human, yeah. like, what would you choose? I don't know. I mean, what would you choose? I don't think we know what it like enough about what it is. Yeah, for me to for me to make that call. Yeah. But there's something like I really do think that I think that there is a part of a theme here that is sort of ancillary to this humans can't break the cycle. Not only do we view each other and other clans, tribes as a threat, our, in, our, our reaction, like our two instincts when we come into contact with the protomolecule proto is either number one, to view it as a threat or number two, to turn it into a weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Which and that's a commentary. very human. Right. <laughs> Because we're yeah. terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so these first two episodes were definitely like a bit of almost, you know, a movie set up to where we're going to see what actually happens now that Christian and Bobby are on the Rossi. And everyone who's awesome is in one place. Everyone who's awesome is in one place, yes. in one place and they're going to do awesome shit together. Um, and While they're, they're going to go to mad at each other. <laughs> it's going to be but a thing. Christian is going to look Freaking awesome. Oh my god, and, I like, forgot. The racer suit. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. See? She we have a so lot excited. to look forward to. I'm um, excited for you guys. But I think that that might be kind of about it for the actual episode. Do you guys want to get into well actuallys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Um, Bubs. Um, so, I guess this is like, this is my question either last season or the season before, but like, Amos is sociopathy is like it's confusing and I, I like thought about it for a long time <laughs> because I this is the same problem I had with Dexter where it's okay. like it's we're being like sold that it's sociopathy but like is it and I, I was trying to like come up with scenarios where it like makes sense that it is so he has too many feels well he reacts empathetically like, he has reactions that seem like he is acting on empathy. And the whole point of sociopathy is that you don't act on empathy. Um, and, and so, especially not when it puts yourself in danger. Um, and I guess, like, the only thing that I could kind of make sense um, of it is that there was kind of, like, a tease that, like, he maybe underwent a similar treatment to those 
guys that were hooked up to the computers who also became sociopaths. And so from that standpoint, if, if it's not something that's innate to him um, as a person, but something that he became, then perhaps his memory is what acts as like the um, moral compass in a sense, because he still has to have some sense of moral compass just to follow like the quote unquote right people. So you think maybe he has like it, not not a genetic sociopath, but like a learned sort of shut downness sociopath. Yeah, some some like somatic. Like he change used to have happened. feels, but maybe he no longer has feels because that was something sort of self protection that he had to do. Because you get the sense that Amos did not have a good childhood. Yes. Oh God, I just want to like. That scene with Prox, both, um, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't mean, but it's just every time when you talk about that, I just like wanted to wrap Amos in a warm blanket <laughs> and like make him, I guess I can't well, make well, him Coco? hot chocolate. Well, the hot chocolate, I'm, the machine is fucked, so I don't know if you're going to be able to <laughs> make him hot chocolate, but like, oh, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. It breaks your heart and also Prox being, um honest that he had a dual motivation like you thought he was being completely um altruistic in choosing to go save like answer the distress mm-hmm. call yeah and oh, then he, it was sort of like schrodinger's daughter like as long as he doesn't go get her she's yeah. alive yeah um and the moment you find you go get her then you will find out whether or not she is alive or most likely dead right and like that's that's some rough stuff. I'm sorry, you told. I'm sorry, you totally triggered my feels with Amos. <laughs> oh that no, scene. I didn't mean to get you off track. No, no, no. I feel like I said basically everything I had to say. Um, which I guess like I'm just headcanoning that he has a memory of how he felt for other people, and maybe nice things that other people did for him, and so he's kind of banking on those memories in terms of how he behaves now. Although, like, then you beg it begs the question, like. Why would he care if he doesn't have empathy as to how, I don't know. It's it's kind of a question mark. And I do hope that we explore him more and get a better understanding as to like how, what makes him tick. Um, well, yeah. And, and they alluded to that backstory that we still haven't gotten the full yeah, details about, yes, right? Exactly. And that there were other people who also had things done. Yes. To, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Which, by the way, they alluded to that doc. Is that doctor still with Dawes? Didn't they allude to that doctor? Or is that guy dead? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you remember when we got the first hint about other people who had had their, why is the word escaping me? Their empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, like removed removed basically and that kind of like amos kind of raised like that intrigued amos and then did that scientist die or is that the scientist that frank refers to in the first episode he's talking to drummer saying hey i gave the proto molecule to dawes and dawes has the scientist who knows how to under like who understands it that's is that the same guy I have no idea. I Wait, this, the doctor hasn't been killed yet, right? I don't think and so. Was that the, and was that That's the same? That's in this season. Okay. Right? Oh, it is? 
gosh, I'm so fuzzy, like on the middle part of the season. And it wasn't that long ago. I'm just kind of curious, like they've dropped so many breadcrumbs about Amos and what happened to remove his empathy. It's got to pay off at some point. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) emotional payoff of lack of emotions (laughs) Um, yes Um, Cece did you have a well actually that you just didn't mark down I did not I will be honest there's many times in the space battles I really have no fucking clue what's going on okay so I still don't understand but it's my failing but I still don't (laughs) I still don't understand the whole slingshot thing like the whole maneuvers of how they actually rescue christian and bobby with the four missile i really like this is the second time i watched it i still don't get it it makes me feel really dumb i don't get why (laughs) yeah no no no. i didn't get why um i understand like the term slingshot usually is is using something else's gravity to like maneuver Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but the term so this is the slingshot, right? Or am I thinking of a future episode where they use slingshot? Uh, well, the the racer guy that slingshots around the planets. Yeah. That's slingshotting. Yeah. I don't know if this is yeah. also slingshotting. Um, but no, I also did not understand what they did with the four missiles around Bobby. Uh, I, yeah. Everything that happened in space to rescue them, even on a second... I think this is even my third watch. <laughs> You're like, I because still don't know what the fuck is happening. I still don't know what the fuck is happening. And I know because this show is so well written and well researched. Yeah. It's it's I know it's 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 not it's not them, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me feel really dumb because it's now three times. I watched it when it aired. I didn't understand what the fuck happened. I tried to read about it afterwards. Then I watched it again. And now I just watched it today and I still don't understand. <laughs> if you ask me to articulate, I'm like, uh, there were some four cool missiles. There were some four missiles that escorted them for a while. And then they did something. And then that sheared off the missiles off the UN ship. And yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone out there listening understands what happened please Please. come yell at us on twitter draw (laughs) us a diagram on a napkin um please embarrass us yeah no it's great it's yeah we don't know in a really nice in a really nice way and not in like a mansplaining way though like in a really with gifts and emojis yes please yeah um so my well actually is a little bit less uh exciting than all of that but when Bobby and Christian get to Julie Mao's racing ship and Bobby like pulls out the little piece of glass that like is basically sort of the, the ID of the ship and then she breaks it in her hands and then she drops it on the ground. And I'm like, those are shards of glass that are going to go flying everywhere. <laughs> you don't just leave shit. Like they literally just made this point with Amos <laughs> and Prax. Don't let shit that is sharp fly around. Um but that was that was just my will actually. Huh. Um, that's a, that's a, a good, good one. It's a good one. Like I get the dramaticness of dropping it on the ground and going meh, but <laughs> your will actually is because you actually understand the scientific principles in the show of gravity, <laughs> and mine and mine is because I don't. <laughs> also, also, I'm kind of confused. Like like I know that they wear um, like gravity boots, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I okay? I'm not confusing my shows because no, 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 they do. There's so much sci-fi. So they have these gravity boots, right? Why did the glass thing like fall to the ground? Like, shouldn't it float? Uh, it depends 
whether they were in motion and in what direction. Um, So it could have worked. But she shouldn't have dropped them. Like we're in agreement on that. Yes. Well, not in okay. the not in the room where this where like not in the cockpit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they were actually in the cockpit at that time. But at the same time, like those pieces of glass are just going to go flying around in whatever room that they are in, like and cut shit open and yeah, you know, scratch their CDs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, any other thoughts? Um, you know, do, do you want to talk about your? Sexy man crush for a sec. <laughs> I think we already talked about it. Like, Kotar? Kotar's just like, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is about him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to second that. It's just like his head is so round. Uh, is that a thing? Do you have a thing? Well, for no, round no I think it's like I'll say these things sometimes, and it's like, it's when I can't really like articulate why he's hot that I'll just like, I'll. You'll pick out one thing. <laughs> I'll just like fixate on like a feature that like I can like concretely point to so you have a round head he has a he's beautifully he's, round head he's super charismatic and he had really great like really great like line delivery and i miss like i miss him well i know he's still with us technically on our rewatch but i do i do miss him i was really pretty wrecked when he died i was sad it was just like <laughs> such a good episode for him too um yeah yeah. Yeah. All right. Basic, you know, basically he's like lone wolf, like, but with this soft spot for Christian. Like, how could we not love him? But like, so like physically capable. <laughs> Do you need him That got weird. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it did get weird. I mean, it got exactly where we knew it was going to go, but. All right, folks. <laughs> I just meant from a uh-huh. whatever military uh-huh. standpoint. If you mm. guys took it the other way, then that's your fault. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Joe, mm-hmm. Joe, what shows are you watching? <laughs> what shows am I watching? Um, so I know that we've been on hiatus for for a while. Uh, I was very sick for a while, and so I watched a lot of TV. And so I will recommend a couple things that are not on my list real quick, and then I will give my actual recommendation. Uh, one of them is, and none of these are sci-fi, uh, it's on Netflix. Um, it's called Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery. Yes! And it is... If you just need something that's cozy and fun and silly, the premise is there's a this this woman this I think she's a baroness maybe. Anyway, she's just some landed gentry or whatever. Uh, and she moves she moves to Australia and she is a lady detective. That is her that is on her business card. And so she basically solves murders with um this other like local inspector general detective guy. And they flirt mercilessly together. Like, it's like X-Files level flirting, except, like, she's kind of a, like, modern woman pervert and, like, always, you know, is betting whatever hot young guest star is on that that episode. And then there's, yeah. like, a little wacky cast of characters. It's not highbrow at all, but it is just delightful. Yeah. And um, Joe got me watching this, and I'm so happy that I did watch it. It is really fun, and the characters are so cute, and you come to, like, love them so much. Um, but I will say, it took me a little bit to get in. And not not that it, like, the first episode is very fun, but I think it's just, like, stylistically, you think it's going to be drier than it is. Um, it's campy. Like, yes, it is campy but you have to shit. wait till like, the second episode to, like, really know that, I think. And it's set in the 1920s, and because she is wealthy, every single scene that she is in, she has a new out. Just the costuming in the show is just ridiculous. 
Um, she, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they dress her so well. Um, so watch that if you want something that is just like fun and cozy to put on in the background. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, but the show that I will actually really recommend is the second season of Big Mouth came out a couple weeks ago. Um, it is a cartoon. It is filthy. It is a bunch of comedians who decided to make a show about what it is like to go through puberty. Um, so it is awkward and, and just... <laughs> cringeworthy and you remember what all of these terrible things were about and yet it's a very like woke and socially aware show and it's very sex positive and so if you uh, if you have questions about things or if you know you know an awkward teenager who maybe shouldn't get all of their information from the internet but you know if you're a 40 year old virgin if you're a 40 year old virgin named coach Steve, um, (laughs) basically uh, it's 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 a wonderful show that lets you like lets you and aka like kids who might be watching and i say kids like teenagers like obviously cc do not have your children watch this or do whatever um a lot will go over their heads but like it lets you watch it and you're like oh all everything is weird and terrible and awful right now in the in the horrible throes of puberty but also it is normal all of this horribleness isn't an aberration Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they handle cer- certain storylines really well about like depression and there was a bisexuality uh, realization thing uh, this past season. And it's just it's just really well done and fucking hilarious. So that's my pitch. OK, bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bubs, what are you watching? Oh, um, so I I put this in the notes that I'm not saying watch it. But, like, I am desperate for someone to talk to about the Heathers because I don't really know what the fuck I watched. Is um, like a, they're rebooting the show? It is the reboot of Heathers the movie, like the iconic yeah. eight, 90s, 90s movie? Uh, 80s? 90s? 89? I just remember Jawbreaker. I actually remember Jawbreaker more than I remember Heathers. Is it 89? I don't Let's say 89. <laughs> I'll look it up because the, I don't know if we have a 90s movie. I, well, I think Jawbreaker would be our 90s movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, 1988 is Heather's and... 89. Jawbreaker was 99. So we got our 90s movie reference. <sighs> All right. Whew, that Sorry was actually that. a terrible reference, but... <laughs> well, so Heather's, um, if you want to watch it, you can download the Paramount app on your phone. What the fuck? And that's how I've watched it. I mean, I, it didn't bother me because I you also, like, need your, like, cable login, I think. But um, I just Chromecasted it, so it was – the app actually worked really well. Um, but anyways, I'll, I'll, the only way I can describe the show is, like, if Tumblr was a TV show. You have my attention, actually. Well, because it's, like – it's so the bullies in this are, like, these – woke people but also not woke because they're so woke that they like don't realize they're assholes but but like there's so much going on and at first i was like i hate this this is the worst thing i've ever watched i'm gonna watch one more episode and like (laughs) and i'm not gonna like it i'm gonna hate every minute and like it's so campy and it's so over the top and like i I didn't know what was going on half the time. And then, like, the finale came. and I, Or I don't even know if that was the finale. I don't know if it, it came all out all at once or if I'm just, like, on whatever episode they've released on the app. <laughs> I should check into that. Um, <laughs> but so the last episode I saw, I was just like, wait, is this great? Is this an amazing show? 
Well, now so, I'm kind of curious. I'm wow. so confused. And it's, I mean, I'm going to say that it's 98% probably a shit show, but 2% might be awesome. <laughs> but like as a, as a whole, because the first, the first few, um, like half of the season is just a lot. How does it like, like, I got the sense that it's like trying to be Riverdale-esque. Is it, where would you put it? Um... It, Okay. Because Riverdale had a lot of promise, and then it was just if a Glee fucking mess. and Riverdale and Tumblr had a baby. If wait, what was the first one? Glee, Riverdale, and Tumblr. Oh wow! Yeah, I feel like we're probably gonna have to watch that. Yeah, that but like, trashy. don't like hate me for it. <laughs> I just don't know where I stand still. <laughs> okay. Okay. okay yeah, Solid. So- Confusing recommendation. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I feel like we just went on that journey with you. Good, thank yeah, you. Like, if you I can, don't know if you're recommending it. I don't but either. Listeners, if you have watched the show and you want to talk about it with Bubs in a group therapy session, I will give you my home phone number, which is just my cell phone because I'm not that old. <laughs> um, but please, somebody talk about it with me. <laughs> Oh, Cece, what are you watching? um, I already made my pitch for my most favorite show of all time. So watch 12 Monkeys. Um, But if um, you are done. Uh, It was a woo. Okay. Sure, why not? It sounded like a little monkey monkey noise. Uh, (laughs) Is that better? That really sounded like a monkey. Oh, my god! Monkeys used to be my favorite animals. I can do lots of calls. Bubs, I feel like we need to record you doing those calls and then like this is what oh, this is what we're gonna do. The next time Jen appears. Oh my god. On, this is her air horn? Yes! No, yes! So the next time she comes and she does our 12 monkeys podcast and she makes a joke, I I'm gonna use that monkey your monkey call yes. thing as like her air horn on that. Because yes. air horns are reserved solely for maybe geek again. Yes, this is true. I feel like trademark. they are not necessary. you were saying that to be nice, but really your other podcast is way too classy. Um, <laughs> I like how you're like, oh no, it's just for this one. I'm like, yeah, you guys are way too highbrow. Did, did you actually did you actually listen? I haven't listened yet. You know I don't listen to podcasts. I haven't had any time. I know. I'm a terrible person. I don't listen to ours. I don't listen to anyone. I want to so that when I do come on it, I don't feel like a fucking jackass because I don't even know if you guys are allowed to swear. Um, I swear. I swore. I swore. I am going on a plane on Sunday, so that will actually be a perfect time for me to download some and listen. I'm going to need a minute because I'm going to pick my job back up because I can't believe that our franchise mom didn't listen to a single second of it. <laughs> I listened to the beginning of one and then I had to start working and I can't like there's no time for me to if I'm not if I'm not like if I'm working, I can't listen to stuff with like words in it. Mm-hmm, I get that. And like I don't have a commute. I walk up my stairs and then I'm at my desk. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. But no, I will be listening to it uh, when I'm moving about New York next week commuting and whatnot and but I better not laugh too hard because then people are going to think I'm a crazy person on the subway (laughs) whatever that would be the best revenge because when I used to listen to may we geek again and I would laugh in public (laughs) and then people would look at me like I was a crazy person so I want nothing more than for that to happen to you I will make it happen I will surreptitiously record other people watching me listen to the podcast <laughs> so that they can be uncomfortable with my level of enjoyment. It'll be great. Oh so God. other than 12 Monkeys, what are you watching? Other than 12 Monkeys, um, I finished last week The Haunting of Hill House. Finally. On, on Netflix. 
It is a fucking masterpiece. It is so good. It's so good. It is really, really good. And the setup is um, there is a family um, with five siblings, um, two sisters, right? Five? Yes, five. Yeah, three, yeah. three, three sisters. Three sisters. Yeah. Three, three sisters. That's right. Three sisters, two brothers. Um, and the show, something traumatic happened in their past. Um, and the show kind of goes back and forth between their childhood and their adulthood and this house that they lived in one summer. Um, it is super scary and I am not <laughs> normally into ever 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 things were like but it was a different e- kind of scary it was like it creepy scary right creepy scary like I- I'll take that back like I have never seen any of the like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street like none of those ever 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 but I do- I will go see movie like th- like I love The Ring even though it like scared the <sighs> shit out of me so I would say it's more like scary like The Ring and not scary like normal it's right, yeah. It's yeah. like if six feet under was scary, if that makes sense. Like you have like a close knit family sort of dealing with with their their own past traumas, um, but you know also there's creepy shit. Yeah, and it's got a lot of. Um, it's I mean it's got some like just some particularly like the fifth and sixth episode is like some of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen, mm-hmm. just like in way they were directed and acted and everything. Um, like that 26 minute tracking shot. That was <laughs> unbelievable. unbelievable. Like you're, it's like you're watching a play. So yeah. like t- technically it's beautiful. The acting is wonderful. I found it. Um, I definitely woke up my kids one night cause I screamed so loud. <laughs> um, and then, but I also like it made me. Um, it made me like sob. It, I found it really moving and really, really thought provoking. And the themes are. I found the themes actually. If you like Twelve Monkeys, I found that there was actually quite a lot of overlap with some of the themes. Who yeah, likes Twelve was. Monkeys though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so I can't like, it's only what, 10 episodes. So it's not a big commitment. Um, I think it's probably a one shot deal. So they might get another season, but I'm not sure if they'll be like, like if they'll do it like American Horror Story or something. I suppose suppose it would be like following a different family. Yeah. Which I think would make sense. Once you see this, like you'll kind of understand it is sort of a very self-contained story. Um, yeah. But, but it is really, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can't recommend it enough. This was really, really good. Yay. Yeah, it was, I remember the the Slack chat, everyone was like, so have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? <laughs> and so slowly everyone kind of went through and watched it. And yeah, it's 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 good. And, and for the gays, I don't know why, but somebody, like, I was called out multiple times on Twitter being told. But was hey, I not the first one? You were. You yes. told me. Yes. You're like, hey, there's gay. And I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, looking out for me. Like I like, that. by the way, and by the way, Joe, yeah. just for the record, mm-hmm. the very first person to ever say, Joe, watch The Expanse because you need to figure out what's going on with Drummer and Naomi. That was me. That was true. After that handball scene. Yep. And <laughs> they were like, let's go get beers. And I was like, ah, oh, something is up here. This is like when we watched Descendants and we're like, wait, what's going on? Let's ask Joe. Let's have Joe watch it. <laughs> So if you guys ever need a mediocre gaydar, because mine is actually not particularly reliable. It's um, really bad, actually, because oh, it's we ha- so we had you watch um, Descendants 2, the space between 
um, music yeah, video. Yeah, I remember that video. And you're like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And then, like, Merritt watched it, and she was like, oh, yeah, definitely. They were totally going to kiss. And I was like, thank you. That is exactly the answer I was looking for. <laughs> I feel like this merits – maybe not. I feel like in, in our television recommendation discussion where we delve into the Descendants too, <laughs> It might require a little explanation that I was watching it with my 10-year-old daughter and then was like, huh, I think there's something going on here. I think Disney is uh, having some fun with this one. And then Bubs watched it and then, yeah. but I have no excuses. I don't have children. So. <laughs> but I had seen the first one on my own volition, so I was excited to see the sequel. Was there gay shit in the first one? No. Oh. No, but they went. I haven't gone back to watch the first one, so maybe like maybe I didn't notice it. But I mean, it was like inescapable in the second. No, I was I was watching it with Mister Check, and we were like looking at each other like, "Holy shit, are they going to do it this? Is- Holy shit, are they going to do this?" And then they didn't, and it was annoying. But I, it still is a really great. But there's, there's so great much subtext videos. for like a Disney TV movie. Like I was shocked. <laughs> I know, but I kind of, like, for a Disney TV movie for my kids, I'm kind of over it being Oh, yeah. Subtext. Oh, yeah. For sure. You know? But, yeah. For sure. That's that's the most wonderful mom thing I've ever heard you say, Cece. You're like, you know what? Make the gay canon for my kids. <laughs> well, because my, my – the only show is um, oh Andy Mack. Andy Mack on Disney, I think, is the only show where there is a canon – her best friend is gay. And came out and like it was it wasn't subtext it was mm-hmm. like it came out it was a story and he's like you know like has a just like any other you know it's a show about kids in high school and he has a romantic life going on like everyone else um that, that but that's kind of it so I would like to see more yeah, I mean Star versus my, ki- my kids my kids see it in real life why can't they see it on their TV yeah no and Star versus then how would you explain it to them Cece how would you explain that. <laughs> These people that they see every day are also represented on TV. Like, how is that an argument? It's like the most bullshit argument. Like, oh, uh, they like each other? I don't know. Like, yeah, I, they kiss. They like each other. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's any... It's like, complicated. Yeah, it's, you know, hey. Not my department. Um, point is, Haunting Hill has a gay. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> Um, cool. So, uh, next time, I don't know when that will be, but at some point, because we have Thanksgiving come up, coming up, uh, we'll be discussing episodes three and four of season three of The Expanse. I have no idea who's going to guest. I think you have, you know, adult responsibilities, CC, but maybe I can convince Bubs, um, to be a terrible person with, with Shaheen as well. Um, <laughs> otherwise we'll figure out scheduling and so stick around friendly listeners or don't, I don't know. Definitely go check out the 12 Monkeys podcast, which you can find at. Cece. Oh. Um, <laughs> I like pointed, I gave finger guns to the microphone and then I realized that like you couldn't see them. Oh my God. Well, uh, <laughs> um, but now I'm going to know what finger, like when you know that I'm frustrated and I'm putting my hands over my nose, now I know that that pauses you doing finger guns. So this is great. Um, we are on, um, on Twitter. We'll have all the links to the pods there at 12M Rewatch Pod. It's called Word of the Witnesses, a 12 Monkey Rewatch Pod. And we're on iTunes and a bunch of other stuff. And we will actually also, once I stop being lazy, uh, post episodes on our um, SoundCloud as well. 
Um, Thank you. I and s- Joe's going to be on it. And Bubs was just on this week's episode. Mm-hmm. And Jen has been on it. And, and Jen has a- been on it. And if Shaheen would ever fucking watch it, then maybe Shaheen could be on it because there's lots of questions right, like he about. Would love to oh. Holy shit! I want to watch. Yeah. I want to watch. I want to watch Shaheen's brain break trying to explain free will in a time travel show, or just I, the mechanics I, of time travel from a physicist. Yeah. It's like made for him. So he's going to edit this podcast. And so maybe. Hi, Shaheen. We miss you. Hey, Shaheen. (laughs) All right. um, We will see you guys next time. Uh, Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks Um, for having us. Seriously. All right. What what do I say at the end of this? You say maybe Deke again. Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. So I was opening up a like a, a fresh bottle of um, rubbing alcohol, and they like you know how they put that like seal on it, and they're and they have to like peel off. The right? chop, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was peeling it off with my teeth, obviously, because what else are you gonna <laughs> use? And like I got it like to pull off, and it glugged really hard, and so it glugged into my mouth and oh, into no! my eye. <laughs> <laughs> No! <laughs> oh and then my, my eye hurts a little, but it's also very, very sterile. <laughs>